Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We got our football Fridays all day long here on The Zone. But on Tuesday mornings, we got our we got our football. And I know it's a jazz game day, but we got our football uh, 6 a.m. hours here. You hear from the coaches, you, Cougars, Aggies, all talking to the media on Monday. We got them all for you here today. It's Monday night football. Good game between the Steelers and the Bears. That had some back and forth. I got to admit, when it's 14 nothing early in the second quarter, I thought, the Bears aren't built to come back from this. And the Steelers didn't put them away. It was 20-6 to when the fourth quarter started. The Steelers, you know, they had the two-touchdown lead, and it was, you know, only 15 minutes to go, so they were in good shape. But it's not like they'd extended the lead to 17 or 20 or, you know, 28 and finished the thing off. Sure enough, they make a big mistake on special teams, give up a quick score, and, and the Bears had two good touchdown drives. And comes right down to a kick at the end, and the Steelers get the win. Roethlisberger had the two-minute magic. All right, enough of the pro football. Let's get to the colleges. The Aggies coming off a win at New Mexico State. They get the best game of the week. Uh, they are four-and-a-half-point underdogs at San Jose State. Spartans are 5-5. Five and five. They have been limited by a quarterback injury. They're getting their guy back. The Aggies are 7-2. and two. You know why they aren't a 500 team? Because they eked out a close game right at the end of Washington State in the season opener. They went to Air Force. Back and forth, high-scoring game. They got it done and got the win there. And then... They tried to make a mess of the UNLV game, but they scored right at the end and, and won. So it could be four and five, but it's not. The Aggies are seven and two right now. They got to win their last three games on paper without question. The best team left on their schedule is San Jose State. They got Wyoming and New Mexico after this. Both those teams one and four tied for last place in the Mountain Division. This looks like the toughest game. Boise State's a game behind them, has the head to head win. Now, Air Force is a game behind them, and Utah State's got the tiebreaker there. Could have come down to a three way tie. And well, there's, there's stuff to sort out. We'll see if I think Boise State will win out. They got San Diego State in the season finale. So they ought to win, and then we'll see what happens in that game. Uh, but first things first, Aggies don't need any help. If they beat San Jose, they become the overwhelming favorite in the division. Uh, Blake Anderson, head coach, joins PK and I every Monday morning at 9.30, and we're going to replay that interview for you right now here on The Zone. Coach, good morning. Good morning. So, Coach, a tale of two halves. Is that just Newt Rockney and halftime in there? You just you break out your best stuff? <laughs> well, I, I let them know I wasn't happy. Um, honestly, really, just, guys, we got to wake up. I, I was worried about it all week going in. I've been there uh, a bunch uh, through my career, and and knew what to expect and tried to explain it to our guys as best I could. One in seventeen, really tough place to get to, and you got to travel through and uh, El Paso to get there. You're on the bus; it's in the middle of nowhere. You get there and it's empty, and it was super hot. We've been practicing at about 45, 50 degrees every day. It was 80 on Saturday, and it just basically everything you want to give us a chance to come out and play sloppy, which is exactly what we did early, uh, and, and then they responded in a huge way. Third quarter, I mean, three and outs and, and, and straight you know straight drives down to the to the end zone and score and touchdowns and not settling for field goals. We responded, but man, it was frustrating to start. If you want to go positive, is there something to be said that, well, you tried, but at the same time you can't BS these kids so you can straight talk them because they got enough street snorts to know that you're playing a 1-17 and we probably don't need to have our A-plus effort. I know that's not what you want, but if you step back and think, well, at least they know what's real and maybe that could help you interact with them. I'm trying to reach for something positive here, Coach. (laughs) 
you know, I don't think you I don't think you can make every team to be out, you know, the best team on your schedule. I think they're smart enough. There's too much information out there. You watch the tape, you see it, you see the record, um, like opponents that we've played and how they've responded to those like opponents. But it's just too much information. If I come in there and try to make every team to be out to be the best team in the country, I'm going to lose credibility. So I was very honest with them about what to expect. Uh, we're the better team going in physically. It shows on the tape. It shows on the record. But it is our responsibility to go there and play to our standard, not to the opponent. And it's not that we went and played without good effort. We just didn't play good ball. We, we made some really silly mistakes early. It was sloppy. And I think it took us a little while to, to get used to just how hot it really was. It was it was ridiculously hot compared to what we've been in here recently. And um, we just didn't respond real, real well. But but as the second quarter, later in the second quarter, you started to see it turn. In the third and fourth quarter, played played lights out the way we could have and should have played the whole game. And, you know, there's a responsibility. I told them there's a responsibility for me telling you the truth, that you know what we're up against and you got to go play our best ball because we need to get better this week. Uh, there's a lot riding on the, the, the last three weeks of the season, and we need to improve. And um, Didn't do it early, but definitely did some things down the stretch of the game that was, was good to see. So you do have a lot at stake here the last three weeks. Uh, the division title is out there. If you win out, it's yours. You don't need any help. You just got to go win and go do it. And the San Jose team, uh, you're in the spot you're in, not the spot they're in, because you've won some close games right at the end at Washington State and Air Force, the UNLV game later. Uh, you you could easily be sitting on four or five wins. They're five and five. Do you think the guys will look at the record, the scores, and the video and, and get a different message as they prep for the Spartans? Well, I, I think they have a, a healthy respect for this crew, and they know that they, they got the quarterback back. You know, they were able to watch the second half of that game against Nevada the other night and see it. We got back in time to watch the whole second half. Already, already hear a bunch of guys just in the building. They they know what we're up against. Uh, we'll go in as an underdog, I'm sure. Now they got their quarterback back. They've got a great defensive front. They won the league a year ago. Every reason that I would expect to go in there. Uh, with them favored to win on a late late Saturday night game and and kind of everything stacked against it, so I I, I think um, completely different environment than what we just what we just came out of. That they know how good this team is and that the record's a little bit deceiving because they played through some big injuries and, and and did not have their quarterback until this past week, and that changes a lot for them because he is a phenomenal player. Yeah, he certainly is. No question about that. You got Tyler back in there after having some injury issues. He didn't have a lot of carries. I think he what at seven or eight or something like that. Uh, what do you expect as far as his health going forward? You know he's fine. Uh, he he cramped up to be honest the other day. He didn't pull anything. Nothing that'll keep him out. Just uh, again has not gotten a lot of reps. Didn't hydrate really really well going in. I think the heat got everybody by surprise. It was it was much hotter than and anticipated. I think. Um, you know, it's one thing to look at it, what you see it says it's going to be on paper, another thing to go feel it, and, and then to uh, to go out and just kind of have your body respond. But he's fine. Uh, I thought what snaps he got were really, really effective. Uh, he'd love to have one drop that he that he missed uh, back, but, but he ran the ball really, really well. His legs look fresh. We just got to get him ready to go on Saturday night, and we'll need him to do so because we've got to keep them off balance, and we've got to be able to uh, – 
to run the ball and, and stay ahead of the chains against this front because they can rush the passer as good as anybody we've seen this year. Cannot be off schedule against San Jose. Utah State football coach Blake Anderson joining us. Do you think at this point in the season you've seen everything that people can throw at Devin Tompkins and everyone knows what the deal is now, regardless of what a defense tries to do to stop him? Well, the best thing we're doing is moving him around all over the field. So it makes it really difficult to to try to you know double him and bracket him. You just don't know where he's going to be next. He's clearly super super skilled and, and, and loves to compete for the ball and play it play it above the rim. I think also the fact that a lot of other guys are making huge catches. You're getting that out of Derek Wright, you're getting it out of Brandon Bowling. We got two huge catches out of Kyle Van Leeuwen and and McGriff. So it's not like he is the only guy catching the ball. Obviously his numbers are through the roof and he's gonna he's gonna try to give you everything he's got every week. But I think the ability to move him around and to not know where he's going to be next and the fact that everybody else uh, can step up and make plays if you really commit all your time and energy to, to Tompkins, you're giving up other things. Uh, you know, I, I believe it allows us to keep him as involved as, as we have. And uh, I was surprised at how they played him this week. I don't know that they just felt like they didn't have any other options. But uh, but really put him in a lot of one on ones and, and clearly when you do that he's he's gonna he's gonna hurt you. Twenty years ago, exactly this season, I was a beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, and my assignment that year was Utah State. And they had a kid named Kevin Curtis. I'm sure you've heard of him. And he yep. was he was a smaller guy, but he played in the NFL. Now uh, Tompkins is small, even smaller than uh, Curtis. But man, the numbers he's putting up. Uh, even though the size I don't think is obviously going to work in his favor, is he viewed as an NFL guy? Yeah, I think he's got a future at the next level in the right system, at the right place. I think the more we expand his special teams role, which we'll continue to do, um, you know, he, he's, he's so versatile in terms of what he can, uh, he can handle, football IQ-wise. So he can be anywhere on the field. Not everybody's going to, you know, not every program up there is going to look for a small guy or take a small guy, but there are a lot of Guys his size or around his size that are on roster still in, in finding value in the NFL. So it's going to take the right place. He's going to need to stay healthy. Uh, you know, he's got another year under his belt next year, and we can just continue to expand and work on his role. Uh, I think there's a ton of things that, that he can do at the next level if, if he just continues to show consistency. He's done a great job of, of opening to everybody's eyes at that level. They are, they are really excited about what he's doing. You know, obviously he's got to overcome the size, but there are there are some guys up there playing that are around the, the same size as Devin, and, and I think that plays into his favor. Were you surprised by how thoroughly Boise State beat Fresno State in Fresno? I was. Now you know you turn the ball over like Fresno did, and, and it happens to anybody. We we uh, you know we we we've, we've been victim of that before, and, and when you look at some some key. Uh, upsets, I guess, but I don't know that you consider that an upset. I mean, playing on the road, obviously, you would anticipate Fresno to uh, to play better uh, at home than they did. And um, the quarterback has had such a good year and protected the ball. Uh, it was surprising to me that they turned the ball over and that the game got away that late. I was expecting it to be a one-possession type game, but I knew that Boise was more than good enough to win it. And, and they, they did just that. So, uh in that sense, not a huge surprise, but the way they won it, uh, I didn't expect. 
Last couple games have been off the radar as far as the regular television opportunities. Now you're back on, uh, as you already spoke about that. Uh, how important is that for recruiting? It's huge. Anytime you can put the brand out there and the logo that is going to get seen by a lot of folks, it just helps us continue to build the recruiting footprint. Uh, we, if we play well, which we have in those environments all year, I think uh, more and more you know, t- televisions are turned our way, and heck, it doesn't have to be TVs anymore. You can watch it on your phone and everything else. So uh, it'll be one of the last games on. There'll be a lot of people asleep probably on the East Coast, but hopefully in the central part of the United States and West Coast, uh, a lot of eyes on the game. It means a lot to both teams. They're in a they're in a playoff scenario. Do or die. Can't afford to lose one. We need to we need to make sure and take care of our business so so we don't need help uh, to get into the game. So there's a lot riding on it. Should be a great game. Two good football teams. Well, it looks like a big old construction zone because it is a big old construction zone. So keep everybody focused between the sidelines and the goal lines and don't worry about all the bizarreness around you there. It'll be an intriguing game. We're looking forward to it, Coach. Appreciate it, guys. There's the Aggies head coach, Blake Anderson. When we come back, BYU football coach Kalani Sataki, stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's a trip to Tucson, Arizona for the Utes as they enter the home stretch of their Pac-12 schedule with a showdown against the Arizona Wildcats. Catch the Ute pregame show this Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from Kalani Sataki. What a great week. Another win. They're 8-2. They got a bye week. And then they got Georgia Southern, so that ought to be another win. This is as pressure-free as it gets for a coach. It's not really pressure-free because he's got a recruit. He does have the USC game out there. Uh, but still, right now in the here and now, oh, things feel pretty good for Kalani when he goes to work, I would imagine. Here's Kalani Sataki with the media. All right, ready for our opponent this week, which is nobody. So we're going to practice. Uh, saw some things in, in the game that we can obviously improve on. and uh, But I, I was really thankful that a bunch of guys got reps and – um, saw some really good things uh, in terms of our development progress that we're trying to make as a program so uh, that was uh, really important for those guys to get those reps um, thought Tyler did grow well for playing one quarter Jaron did well for playing one half and the guys that came in did decent job I thought they're I mean A-Rod and he could tell you they thought maybe it could have been a little bit cleaner and Ed could have told you that from our kickoff uh, cover but uh, make mistakes learn from them get better uh, it was good to play that game get that win and do it for the seniors um, looking forward to this week and, and working and we'll get uh, this week we'll get three really good practices in uh, get some lifting and, and get the guys uh, a little bit of break over the weekend uh, maybe some of them can go home and and watch their local, you know, their alma maters play this weekend, and come back ready to work for our opponent, which is Georgia Southern. So, I'll take any questions you guys may have. Let's start with uh, Jared, and then Jay and Mitch. 
Kalani, this is a chance for, for us to talk about big picture stuff. And I wanted to talk about recruiting. Some guys were on campus over the weekend, got a lot of people excited. What are you seeing as far as the elevation of BYU's recruiting? You've always said that that's the lifeblood and something you want to focus. How is that uh, evolving now, currently? No, I, I think our, our mindset and our efforts towards recruiting Recruiting are always going to be the same. We want to communicate and get the guys that want to be here, you know. And there's a, uh, and then there's a lot of guys that don't know about our school, and, and trying to reach out to them and um, let them know what our program's about and what our school is about. And I think there's there's a, a lot of uh, young men out there that fit our program and do can do really well here. Um, other than that, I mean, I I know that the gaining a lot of interest. People are excited about our program. That's that's a good sign. Um, but you know, I, I think that's a huge reflection off of the the fan base. Our fan base is amazing. I said it after the game. Keep keep looking at the the uh, the film and seeing the stands be just being packed. You know, and I think there's a moment at the beginning where everyone's filing in, and um, but you you saw it in the you know early in the first half where, where, where the seats are, I mean, it was, it was a packed home. So uh, against an FCS opponent, that was really good for us to see. And uh, But I, I think uh, recruiting goes because our fan base is, is amazing and, and they, uh, they make it, they've always made us a legitimate contender as far as uh, having that footprint in college football. And uh, I think the move to the Big 12 confirms that and, and then we'll see we'll just keep building on that that's uh, recruiting is really important so it's something that you do every day something that you're always focused on that's a big part of what we're trying to do is, is, and that's part of development for our program so we'll always be in tune with it and there's a lot of there's a lot of five star four star guys that can do really well here just like walk-ons one star two star no star um, guys that just want to try out and, and are fast and strong and they believe in what we do as a program uh, th those individuals can thrive here Kalani, do you think anything changes with the Big 12 move, either making your program more appealing or, or changing who you can reach out to? Does that change at all? We're going to stay humble, work hard, get the right young men that, that belong in this in this program and build it around the, the culture that we have that's been established for uh, many years. And so that's what we're going to do. I, if it changes, it changes. If, if, it's, if it continues to improve, then that's all we're focused on. I'm, um, yeah, but, but there's a lot of interest already. It's already changed since we've been to the Big 12. It's so recruiting is always a changing thing. Our goal is to be innovative and creative and try to find ways to get get the, the guys that fit our program here. Go ahead, Jay. Kalani, any update on uh, Neil Pau? Was his injury season ending? Um, not, I can't confirm that yet. doesn't look good for Georgia Southern. And so um, we'll, we'll have to probably have – this is the day that we probably we get more information today and tomorrow. And so as soon as we know, I'll let you guys know. Um, Neil is welcome to let you guys know more because it's his body. So – but we're going to – until. but I, I don't really know all the details yet. But uh, very doubtful for Georgia Southern. And then we'll see how – um, if we can confirm how long the, 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 the length of the injury will be. Then, uh, kind of like Jared had a, a big 
picture question. Um, is it really gratifying for you guys? A lot of people said this was, you had to kind of prove last year wasn't a fluke by, you know, proving it this year. You guys didn't really buy into that narrative, but it was out there. How gratifying is it though, now that it's kind of, you've done it to, to basically say, yeah, we did it. <laughs> no, that's that. Listen, we're, we're going to work hard stay humble, stay hungry. And there's always room for improvement. And so we haven't done it yet, Jay, you know, we still have more games to go. So what we've earned is another game together, which is exciting that, that we're going to have another opportunity to play together and more practice time. But we're, we're focused on, on getting better this week, uh, getting an early start on Georgia Southern and then going from there. I, I think uh, for us, is just, the goal is to just uh, um, keep working on what's ahead of us. Our, our, our culture is built on, on love and learn and, and and those are two things that, that don't have a ceiling to it. So we're just going to keep building on that and trying to find ways to get better. But uh, the, the feeling of, of uh, being accomplished and feeling like we're, we're done, I don't think that's ever going to happen. We, we need to keep always working and and uh, trying to get better. So I, I, that stuff only generates complacency. And, and uh, you know, I will let you guys pat us on the back. We'll, we'll work on trying to get better. So that's the goal. And then we, we have some really good young men that can stay focused on it and I know we all see the the long term and where we want to be but uh, if you're so focused on that you're not enjoying the moment right now so we're going to live in the moment and have fun learn, love what we do and, and who we get to be around and uh, that's, that's going to be the ultimate focus Honey, um, you just wrapped up uh, an FCS game uh, you know in the future when you're in a league do you want to see FCS games maybe still factored into the the big 12 you know when you're in the big 12 and those non-conference schedules in the future well, i think that's everyone's schedule you know it's not just like we're the only ones that play fcs that's kind of part of college football and then the fbs level is that you play uh, an fcs opponent I, I think it's good for football uh not good for so, some of the teams that have lost the fcs opponents that's happened uh, every year it seems to happen and, and um, um, you know uh, they're very competitive in football at, at every level division two NAI division three FCS and FBS and so uh, I, I think for the way college football works it's, it allows them to make some money the FCS teams and um I think for, for everybody to get that experience. I mean, the Idaho State players love the experience of playing in a packed house at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. You, you can see how excited they were to play. I mean, that last drive, they were trying to get in the end zone, you know. So they, they enjoyed playing the entire game. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Coach Fennessey does a great job at, at leading that program. And, and they were right in the moment having a lot of fun. I don't know if you want to take that away from people, but uh, it seems to be a common thing where every every F FBS team plays an FCS team and gives them an opportunity to to be in that have that experience and then play that game. Over the weekend, uh, you guys officially announced uh, Kingsley's uh, addition to the program. I'm curious, what what type of football football player, maybe most importantly, person is your program getting in Kingsley? Yeah, great young man uh, from a wonderful family. He's he's gonna. Um, 
and, and he happens to be a really good football player. So we're looking forward to him joining our team and our, our family. He has a lot of great friends in the, in the program already on our current roster. And so I think he'll, he'll fit right in with our group and he knows that. And um, I think it's, he's really comfortable being here and being back home. And so I think we're going to get, get the most out of him. but there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, he knows it. And, and a lot of others do as well. And we're excited to have him and, and have him be part of officially be part of our family. All right, let's go with uh, Sean and then Jake. Yeah, Coach, seeing as, as how this is a bye week, obviously a little bit different, you alluded in your opening statement now, um, you know, you're looking forward to this week's game because there is no game, uh, if you will. Can you just kind of give us a brief overview of what a bye week looks like for you guys? I mean, you're obviously still practicing, but do the do the practices get a little shorter? Do you maybe lift a little bit more? I mean, is there is there obviously trying to get healthy is, is kind of a, a big motivating factor. So what, what does just kind of this week look like for the program? Um, and maybe follow up. Does it involve a certain watch party for a TV show on ESPN on Tuesday? A certain what? Uh, a watch party for a certain TV show on ESPN on Tuesday night. No, we don't do that. We're, we're these guys. School's hard, man. They got to study. They, they they need to, uh, you know, go do their homework, and when they have extra time, watch more film. So, uh, I think I think you explained it all there. We're gonna lift. We're gonna we're gonna practice. I mean, we're gonna have three really good full practices. Um, we'll do that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We're going to give them Friday, Saturday off, and we're going to lift um, between now and then to get that get going. So it all depends if you're a guy that started and played tons of reps in the 10 weeks that we just went through, if, if how much how much you're going to do in practice, especially in terms of the physical part of it. I think it's important for us to take advantage of, of uh, the time to heal, but also we, we can't get rusty either. So it's uh, it can't I can't give you an answer without saying, and that um, it depends who you are. And so there's some guys that need to tackle this week, so we're going to see that. And there's some guys that don't need it, but they need to stay stay uh, fresh and polished and, and uh, can't get rusty. So uh, it's, it's an individual type of deal. And you can kind of guess who's going to be tackling and who's not, you know, but uh, everyone's going to be running. Everyone's going to be lifting. Everyone's going to get stronger uh, physically, mentally, and hopefully spiritually throughout this week. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, Kalani, going back to the question just kind of related to the Kingsley uh, Suomataya news is, are you guys seeing an increased interest from, I guess, players, athletes, prospects reaching out to you guys proactively, whereas you guys having to reach out to them? Does that make sense? Yeah, we're not allowed to reach out to anybody until they get into the portal. So we are compliant to all NCAA rules. That's how it works. But uh, there's always people that are interested that, that like BYU. They like our brand of football and offense, defense, and special teams. And so I imagine with the transfer portal, there's already a lot of players that are interested in, in, in being a Cougar. And so, you know, it'd be foolish for us not to not to listen and not to pay attention to what's going on in the transfer portal. But we have a certain standard here, and those don't change when it comes to playing BYU. There's things that you're going to have to do that, that to be be able to represent on the field and off the field, and uh, those standards don't change. And so, and that goes with academics as well. 
There's a lot of talk made of you guys going 10 weeks without a bye week in there. How do you evaluate your team just coming out of that, having endured 10 straight weeks of football? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I think uh, you'd love to have everyone be healthy. And, and I think the unfortunate part is that there are some injuries. And um, But on the, on the positive side of things, we saw some guys step up and, and fill in. So we felt good about the depth. It got tested in a lot of different positions. But I thought the guys uh, done well with, with their response. And then uh, I thought the coaches did a good job coaching them. It could all be better still. I think we could do things better as a team. And there's a program in the fundamentals and, and with our technique. Uh, and that's every position. So we're going to work on that. This is a great week to focus completely on on the fundamentals and technique of the game. And then, um, you know, have that work with your assignments. But I think it's good to go back to the basics with our players um, and then also get an, uh, an early start on, on our opponent, which is Georgia Southern. We're looking forward to getting out there and playing in, in that part of the country and seeing our fans out that way as well. So, um yeah, that's it's still work. We've still got to work. This isn't this isn't a vacation time. The ten weeks were hard, um, but this is. I think this week's not going to be. It's not a vacation week. This is a work week as well. The Eagles are primarily an option based offense. Will you get a head start on trying to get ready for that defensively this week? That's a good idea. I think we'll have to do that. Yeah, that's we're given extra time to do that, so we might as well get an early start on it. Fair enough. Thanks. Uh, Jerry Lloyd. Kalani, you were just talking earlier about how guys would have a chance maybe to go watch uh, their alma mater and how important you know, we, we talk a lot about the importance of the college game. Talk to me about the high school game. I'm just curious about it's obviously important from a recruiting standpoint, but how important is it for you to have the boys appreciate those roots and the development that they had at that level? Yeah, we always talk about um, a lot of the hard work and sacrifice that it took for their for others to get to our players to where they're at now, right? And so, and 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 for them to go home and uh, be around their loved ones that that worked hard and sacrificed for them and show them appreciation and gratitude, but also to go back and and do it for their local coaches or, or the you know the people that spend a lot of time with them and and getting them on the football field to where they want to be. And there's a lot of great teachers that they go, but when they go back home, it's good for them to go and connect with with the uh, you know with with their old high school and things like that. But I think two days is enough get your butt back here to Provo and let's go back to work you know so uh, that's I, I think we've given them that time to do that and many of the guys are going to still stay here and, uh, and, and 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 just connect with their with their um, high school coaches and teachers and loved ones after the season you know but uh, some are going to go home but I think for the majority of them I think they're just going to stay here and study and get better and maybe get some extra lifts in do you have a opinion as far as multi-sport athletes in high school versus those that specialize and really develop their skills? Because I know that can be an interesting balance for kids coming to the college level. Yep, I like multi-sport athletes. I, I think uh, if you're an athlete, I like to see it in, in different 
uh, if we're about development here and trying guys in different positions, and I like to see them do some things that are a little bit different on the basketball court, on the wrestling mat, whatever it could be, the baseball diamond on 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 you know wherever on the track, things like that. So uh, I like to evaluate guys doing things. Um, that's not just all about football. I like to see the type of athlete that they are. So I encourage all our players, all our, our, our recruits and uh, players, that, you know, in high school to go out there and give it their best, even if they're not starting on their basketball team, go and show me that you're a good teammate, things like that. I think that's really important. Being part of the team is really special. Got time for one more question or two. Uh, go ahead, Mitch. Kalani, I wanted to ask you about uh, Keanu Hill. Uh, Where has uh, Keanu maybe made the biggest improvements in his development from when he arrived on campus to now? Uh, Probably getting healthy was the number one thing. He got banged up a little bit um, early in his career, but uh, he's resilient and he works really hard and he's taken to, to Fessy's coaching. So he, um, he just needed his moment and his time and, and he took advantage of the reps that he got. And, um, but it, it wasn't just on offense. You see the things that he's doing on special teams. Um, the, the kid belongs on the football field and it's, it's good when you have a bunch of guys that belong on the football field for us to try to find reps for them. And that's, it's a good problem to have as a, in, in, a, in a football team. So uh, he works really hard and, and deserves to be on the field. And I'm glad that when his number's called, he's been able to answer it many times and, and not just in, in as a receiver, but in, in a lot of different roles. And wanted to just ask you uh, one more thing about uh, recruiting. You know, when, when recruits uh, come on campus, whether for an unofficial or official visit, uh, what experience are you hoping recruits have while they visit the campus or see a game? Like what, what experience are you hoping they gain from being on campus and seeing your program up close? I want them to see the people that, that makes this place special. And that's the players and just the people, the fans, everyone that's around. So I, I think when they get here and they get to see the game type of environment and interact with the fans and see how awesome our fans are, that's that's something that you can't replicate. You know, you just have to be there in the moment. So uh, we, we try to bring recruits in when we're playing, but also uh, bring them to other, uh, other sporting events that are on campus so they can see uh, – our, our awesome student section, the rock, and they can see the, the rest of the fans and how, how much support the athletic department gives here. I mean, they, they gain so much support from fans all over the place. And uh, I want to make sure that they recognize that, that when we go on the road, we have fan support all over the place. And so uh, that's the key for me. It's the people and, and, um, and talking to our players. I, I think that's uh, they're the best, the best uh, spokespeople for our program. Um, I think they should talk to all the guys not just the starters they can talk to whoever they want in the locker room and interact with them and so uh when they get that feel for what it's like to be on the team i think that's a good for me that's that's the best um selling point that we could make there's BYU football coach kalani sataki when we come back kyle whittingham and the youth stay with us it's game week for the aggies and the zone sports network is getting you ready for kickoff huh! 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 
Utah State returns to Mountain West Conference play with a big trip to the Bay Area for a showdown against the Spartans of San Jose State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. PK at 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, we've heard from the Aggies head coach, Blake Anderson. We've heard from the Cougars head coach, Kalani Sataki. Let's wrap up the 6 a.m. hour with the youth coach, Kyle Whittingham, getting ready for a trip to Arizona. Coming off a win over the last place team in the North, get, get the last place team in the South. Here's Kyle with the media. Okay, uh, obviously we played very well uh, Friday night. We had a great week of practice and preparation, but didn't see that coming for sure to uh, to play the way, uh, particularly in the first half that uh, we were able to. But but uh, felt we would play good. But but that was uh, maybe our best half of football in a, in a long time. And so uh, it was good to get the win. Um, we're uh, you know that's that's our mode right now, and, and it has to be just uh, one game at a time, one week at a time, and. And uh, that was our entire focus last week was was trying to get get a win on the road, and uh, it'll be the same this week. There'll be no difference in the way we prepare, in the way we uh, approach things, our focus, our attitude, mindset, the whole the whole deal. So if we can just keep uh, in the uh, same mode we're in right now, you know, not not looking past anybody, uh, understanding that. Uh, the game is won Monday through Friday uh, with your preparation and uh, you know just continue to uh, work hard during the week then then that's uh, going to be in our best interest so questions well, it was the talent level that we saw. I mean, his his talent is is uh, very apparent, and he's got size, he's got speed, he's got quickness, he's got um, you know pretty much everything you look for in a running back. And it was just a matter early on of the ball security was not where it needed to be. We by no means ever even considered giving up on him. We just knew, knew we needed to continue to bring him along and and uh, get him to the to the point where. Uh, everyone feel, felt confident in him carrying the football and that he was going to protect it. Is there any guys who are out for the year? No, not not new guys. Yeah, nobody, nobody from the past game. Now, now going into the game on, on Saturday, they, they, they snapped a twenty-game losing streak. You know, do you, do you feel like that that they kind of now have, have that spark to where you guys it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge going in on Saturday? To, to oh, Arizona snapped their game. Okay, yeah. Um, sure, they, they got uh, confidence. That game has to give them confidence, and they, they, uh, you know, they got the win as you mentioned. And uh, I'm sure they're going to do everything in their power to build on that and and uh, try to you know continue the momentum. But but uh, you know, and then conversely, we're going to do everything in our power to try to get a win on the road. And so uh, we'll see what happens. Is there any concern of? Uh, Maybe complacency, just given Arizona's struggles and and what they've been 
this season maybe the kids are looking beyond? Sure hope not. Um, we'll have team meetings today and and uh, address that very uh, possibility. But uh, I would guess that that uh, the group that we have here is is uh, got great leadership. I don't guess. I know they have great leadership, and uh, they'll handle it just like we have the past several weeks. It's just uh, you know we're settling into our routine, and and it's just uh, rinse and repeat every week. You just start over and and do the same things. Well, the team like Arizona, they, I think, if I remember right, they've gone to like five quarterbacks this year. I don't know if they've yeah. ever done that. How do you prepare for a team like that, knowing that really they're kind of still throwing teams at the wall? Yeah, I think they were pretty uh, comfortable with the rotation they had last week, and and uh, my guess is that they'll feel like uh, that's probably uh, you know maybe where they've settled. Uh, we'll see, obviously for sure on, on game day, but but uh, they have had some uh, a revolving door of sorts there and. And uh, not able to really get uh, settled in, but uh, they did a nice job on uh, Saturday. When, when you guys played on Friday, did, did the team have Saturday and Sunday off? Yes, gave them Saturday, Sunday off. Does that does that benefit you, especially toward, towards the end of the year, where, where even though it's only one extra day off? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, every, any downtime and rest and recovery time you can give them right now is is a positive. And they had been going, uh, what, 12 straight days uh, prior to that, or more than that, uh, 16 straight days uh, leading into Stanford because of the short week. And uh, so we try to make up for that and, and give them some good downtime. And But downtime is only good if you maximize it and take advantage of it, you know, which we hope, hope they did. What's your knowledge of Jetfish? I don't know him very well. I, I've got to know him a little bit at the uh, some of the Pac-12 functions over the last year. Uh, seems like a great guy, and, and uh, you know he's got a, a strong resume. But no, I don't know him on a personal level, uh, and have not uh, had a lot of interaction. What did you make I don't personally feel it, and I don't think our players have, you know, there's no indication that they felt it, and we never even talk about it in meetings. You know, we just say we're in good position. That's that's all we, that's as close to talking about the, the standings as we come, and, and uh, just know that, uh, and the key to everything is that we control our destiny. That's the, that's the main thing, is that we are able to control our destiny and, and not rely on anybody else. So, yeah. Kyle, are you aware that you're one win away from tying the program record for coaching in your career? Uh, no, but I guess you just said it, so I, I am now. Didn't Is that mean, right? Okay. Didn't mean to catch off guard there. Oh, um, that's all right. We talked last week in the wake of Gary Patterson leaving about your legacy, what you've done. Um, approaching a record like that, does that do anything for you in terms of thinking back about what you've accomplished? It does things in terms of feeling fortunate and blessed of all the great players that I've had the chance to coach and that have come through here and have uh, put that record together because it's not a, it's not my record it's a it's a culmination of a bunch of really good players a bunch of really good assistant coaches a bunch of good support from the administration all tying together so that's how I look at it. You see some lot of guys obviously for the NFL. I see exactly uh, what the NFL looks for in linebackers. You know, he's got the size, the speed, uh, the explosion. 
the athleticism, the intelligence, you know, everything that that uh, you see in those elite linebackers in the NFL, Devin possesses. And, and he may have had his best game uh, this past Friday night. He was, he was outstanding. And an interception he made was incredible. And he's leading the league in sacks, I believe, and leading the league in uh, tackles for loss and somewhere in the top three or four in total tackles. So he's, he's having an exceptional year. Yeah. Kyle, to follow up on, on what Jeff asked, um, the interception, um, after seeing that on film, just about the athleticism and just the wearable to make that play come down with it, what did you see on film? Yeah, it's incredible. You know, when it happened in real time, I, could, I said, what just happened? You know, because it was so uh, bang, bang. And then you look at the replay board and and uh, it's still like, how did he do that? I mean, you know, the ball the ball was, you know, four feet away and thrown, you know, hard. And he was able to, you know, have the hand-eye coordination and the awareness and the and the uh, anticipation to, to make that play. You know, the fact that he was, or he had receiving experience in high school, can he draw upon, you know, those things from his past and, and playing out there on I think without a doubt that helps him out. It's more so ball skills come more into play as a DB than a linebacker, but but uh, he's maximized pretty much every opportunity he's had to make, to make an interception because he does have outstanding hands, and that stems from, from uh, as you mentioned, his experience as a receiver way back when. You love takeaways, and you've seen a lot of them over your career. As kind of an unexpected, incredible interception, does that measure up? Maybe Kruger had one against BYU that was pretty unbelievable. I don't know that there's that many out there that would even compare to, though. Do you remember some? Uh, certainly the, the Paul Kruger one where he, where he came back on the loop and got in the throw lane. Uh, Sean Smith had some spectacular interceptions when he was here. I remember a one-hander against Wyoming up in Laramie. Um, uh, but uh, it's got a rate in the top two, three, or four that I've ever experienced here at Utah. John, in 2019, you've had one of your most efficient offenses you've had probably in your whole time here. This team is rivaling a lot of that in the sense of efficiency and being able to move points. I mean, when you compare the team in some respects to 2019, is this kind of what you were seeing in terms of their talent and their ability, or what kind of that? Offensively, I would say yes, and uh, that's why it was so frustrating early in the year, because uh, we knew, I knew, that uh, we had the 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 uh, pieces and the and the uh, just the general uh, building blocks to, to become a really good offense, and we we sputtered early in the year. Um, but once we got the quarterback position settled, once the O-line started playing like they were capable of, once we got the right personnel groups, uh, majored in the right groups, and uh, and then started running the football efficiently, everything started to click. Uh, given, how well, um, given how well the offensive line has played the last two weeks, um, if and when Keaton is ready, how much consideration would be given to not changing anything? Yeah, we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it because he's not ready yet. Uh, he, possibly be, he may possibly be ready this week, but we haven't got that uh, affirmation yet. But but uh, there's, <laughs> if it's not broke, you don't fix it. And, and things have been going pretty good uh, the last couple of weeks. And, and that's a credit to Paul Miley and Nick Ford. Nick Ford, uh, you know, proves his jack-of-all-trades uh, ability again. And not, you know, jack-of-all-trades kind of sounds like you're okay at a bunch of things. He's an expert wherever he plays and and for him to go out and play left guard at the level he's played with uh, you know having not very much experience there has been incredible Paul Miley has been uh, uh, you know we've had a few errant snaps that we got to get corrected but for the most part he has done an outstanding job and so we'll have to uh, 
think long and hard about what we're going to do when that situation arises. What do you make of uh, Cole, Cole Bishop? You, you guys seem to kind of play him. It looks like you guys played three safeties in that game on Friday. Yeah. What do you make of him? He's an outstanding player. He's going to be, he's just a freshman, true freshman, and he is going to be special. And uh, he's been limited this season by injury, and so we haven't been able to play him nearly as much as we would have liked. Uh, we're paper thin at corner right now, and that was a way to kind of ease the, the, the lack of depth at corner by playing a three safety scheme, uh, four down, two backers, three safeties, two corners, instead of the four, two, five uh, with three corners. And so uh, he's, you know, he came in and did exactly what we thought he was going to do. And uh, he's big enough. He may end up being a linebacker down the road. That's certainly a possibility. In fact, a lot of his job description Friday night was that of a linebacker. As that third safety, he came down in the box and, and did, uh, you know, a lot of what, uh, what our stud linebacker does. The fact that Cam hasn't been sacked in a month. <laughs> Apologies. Okay. Um, how much of that is... Right, the offensive line is playing well, and how much of that is well rising can pocket it and do something with the play? Probably 50-50, I would say, right on the button. The offensive line has been protecting uh, exceptionally well, but when you have a quarterback that's got such a pocket presence and, and has such an awareness of the rush and can move and get an escape, and uh, not only move and escape, but turn it into a big run, uh, that uh, is really what you, you know, most explosive offenses, particularly in the collegiate level, have a quarterback that can extend plays. If you don't have that, you're very hamstrung. Unless you're better at the other 10 positions, markedly better, then uh, it's going to be difficult. You've got to have a quarterback that can extend plays. doesn't have to necessarily be a dual threat that's going to run for 800 yards in the season, but he's got to be able to extend the play and be able to get himself out of jams because uh, he's probably avoided you know, half a dozen sacks that, that a guy without his ability would have been sacked. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about maybe some of the letdown in the defense and kind of just the youth and experience. How much of the difference has been maybe the opponent versus them just really starting to kind of pick things up? What kind of those changes in I think them picking things up and, and uh, gaining experience, and particularly with the front guys, you know, the, a lot of our problems early in the year, uh, particularly in the run game, were, were losing gaps with, with the down guys because they're guys that just hadn't been there before. And so those guys are starting to get uh, get the idea and get things figured out. Um, the, the secondary is, is making plays, and they're, you know, although they did have uh, five games or so last year, well, exactly five games to, to uh, get their feet wet, but uh, it's just been a work in progress, and I think Coach Scowley and the rest of the defensive staff have done a really good job of bringing those guys along from week to week. The conference is taking a bit of heat nationally for not being very good and all that. When you can deal with that, especially <laughs> in recruiting, what do you say? How do you? Uh, we hardly ever come across that in recruiting. That's not a topic of conversation, and and uh, we got Oregon that's going to the playoffs if they happen today, right? And so I don't know. Where you know, I, I prefer to think that we got a lot of balance in this league rather than not very good, as you said. There is Kyle Whittingham. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. We got 
got to understand that we, we shouldn't play with a different level of intensity or focus uh, regarding of who we play, you know, because it's the NBA and every team is trying to come at us. You know, every every player got something to prove. You know, it's, it's, it's the NBA. You know, we, we got to embrace every night, every opportunity to, to try to get better. Every team has something that can make us better. And it doesn't matter how many games they want or who they are. got to embrace that and then use those games to, to build our habits. Rudy Gobert, the Jazz have lost back-to-back games. They brought it right at the end against Miami, but it wasn't quite enough. They were good for three quarters in Orlando, but it wasn't good enough. Rudy wants them to bring it all the time. Sounds good. Seems unlikely. Bring it on. Bring it tonight. You only got to bring it tonight. You don't have to bring it all the time. You got to bring it tonight. Atlanta Hawks in town to play the Utah Jazz tonight. Steph Curry just went for 50, and the Warriors beat the Hawks. Last night in the Bay Area, so the Hawks are coming in, going back-to-back, and probably got to bed at some ridiculous hour. Ought to be an advantage for the Jazz. They're young, man. They're young. They didn't even go to bed. They went right out, hit the town. Lumpies. Hashtag nightlife. Yeah. Salt Lake City. Oh, man. Trey Young coming off a 28-point night, but it wasn't enough for the Hawks, who come in with a 4-7 and record. And have lost six of their seven road games. So, Jazz need to get a win tonight. No excuses tonight. Set up for them tonight, right? Yeah, I don't want to hear any excuses. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Anthony Davis, 32 points, 12 rebounds. The Lakers need overtime, but they beat the Charlotte Hornets 126-123. Lakers back over 500, looking at a long stretch here without LeBron, but they pick up the win and prove to 6-5 and five on the air. He's out for a long time? Read that it was uh, going to be four weeks wow. abdominal strain, but that's not official from the club. That's from somebody saying, oh, that's what those kind of injuries are. So, so then you're reporting Can't... potential loose facts. Good right. job by you. Yeah, thank you. All right. I appreciate your standards. The Denver Nuggets beat the Miami Heat 113-96. Markeith Morris, not really a basketball play, running into Jokic at midcourt, hitting him in the ribs, and Jokic thought about it for a second and ran about 15 feet down court and blasted Morris in the back. And for that, both teams yelled at each other and both players got ejected. Sure, I think there'll be suspensions coming too. Wouldn't be surprised at all to see that happen. Who started it? Well, in that one video clip, it was Morris, but apparently they have a history, so I don't know who started it. Morris has a history? Get out. <laughs> not, not only does I Morris have a history. I and amazed. Not only does Morris have a history, but those two, apparently there's been some back and forth with them. The Yoke Man. Jokic was having none of it. And now, like you said, he'll, you know, you got to believe he's going to be suspended for that. Order out indefinitely with a back injury. Which is why he slipped in the draft in the first place, right? Luka Doncic, 25 points. Dallas Mavericks beat the New Orleans Pelicans, 108-92. Dallas trying to pile up some wins here in, uh, early on. Get off to a good start. They are 7-3 and three right now. In the East, the Sixers have been playing well, but the Knicks got them, despite... Or, uh, because of 31 points from Julius Randle, the Knicks able to outscore the Sixers 103-96. to Yeah, I think it's because Joel Embiid is out. <laughs> that doesn't help. Cleveland Cavaliers guard Colin Sexton 
will be sidelined indefinitely. Meniscus tear in his knee. Suffered it during the game with the Knicks on Sunday. And Jalen Brown is out a week or two with a hamstring strain. So the Celtics are going to miss his 25 points tonight. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. College Hoops is here opening night. Some tune-up games. Utes have Abilene Christian coming into the Huntsman Center tonight, 6 o'clock on the Pac-12 networks. Utah State has UC Davis at the Spectrum at 7.30. Scotty G will have the call 7 o'clock on 1280 The Zone. BYU has Cleveland State, the Horizon League favorite in Provo, 8 o'clock on BYU TV. Gonzaga listed as 6-1 to favorites to win the national title. Everybody else, double-digit odds. They were the favorites last year as well, but got knocked off in the title game. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Pittsburgh Steelers make it four straight wins. Kick three field goals in the fourth quarter. The final one puts them up 29-27. Bears got him place for a 65-yard field goal, but it was well short. Steelers did pick up the middle of those three field goals with the help of an unsportsmanlike conduct flag, taunting flag. Cassius Marsh, the Bears defensive end, who was with the Steelers a year ago, just came off the practice squad, made a sack, made a big play, took a couple steps toward the Steelers bench, yelled at them. as His teammates were leaving the field. He was headed over there, so they flagged him. Ref said there was a hip check. There was a little... Or the, he Marsh called out the ref for hip-checking in, stepping in his way. Although he's already reaching for the flag. So. Why set up, look that at set the, up the Steelers field goal. Why not just go off the field? I guess you got some bad feelings from playing there a year ago. You're right. Mm-hmm. If he goes off the field with his teammates, it's not a big deal. They are clearly headed to the bench, and he is clearly headed to the other sideline in the replay. So he that put was himself three... in the position to get flagged, and he did. Yep. Was it a weak call? I thought so. But he put himself in a position. position. Right. Roethlisberger, for all the talk about him being done, although the stats weren't huge, moved him right down the field in the two-minute drill. That was a that was less than two minutes. At like a minute forty-five, and he yeah. kicked the field goal with like thirty seconds so left. Don't don't give him fifteen seconds. He didn't have it. It was more impressive than the two-minute drill. It's amazing how they do that so many times. Struggle throughout the game. Boom. Right at the end. Right down there. Field goal. Good. Game over. Bye. See you. Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson is practicing again. On his way to being fully cleared to resume play a month after undergoing finger surgery on his throwing hand. Patriots, Mac Jones is getting called out. And he was trying to make a tackle on the Panthers linebacker Brian Burns. Rather than trying to injure Burns after it appeared, he held on to Burns' ankle and rolled. Burns' teammate, defensive end Hassan Reddick, called the move completely dirty. Jones says he was just trying to make a tackle. Bad blood there, although they're in opposite conferences, so they're not going to see each other again for a while. Raiders wave second-year cornerback Damon Arnett. He was a first-round pick in 2020, but a video surfaced this weekend of him making death threats while brandishing firearms. He's also facing lawsuits stemming from the Vegas car accident last October. The drama continues for the Raiders this year. You draft guys like this, what do you expect, man? Yeah, 2020 and 
Wasn't there a background check? Did anything like that come up? The snake bites you. Whose fault is it? DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Texas Tech has hired Baylor associate head coach Joey McGuire as the Red Raiders' new head coach. He was a successful high school to- coach in Texas. He'd been with Baylor for five seasons, and now he'll step into the job at Texas Tech. And he'll be fired in 2026. Washington Huskies coach Jimmy Lake has been suspended without pay for one game after a sideline incident in which Lake appeared to strike redshirt freshman linebacker Rupert Fuave's helmet during their loss to Oregon. The defensive coordinator, Bob Gregory, will be Washington's acting head coach against Arizona State this week. Nebraska restructuring head coach Scott Frost deal. He's going to return in 2022 despite a 15-27 overall record in Lincoln. He fired uh, four assistant coaches on the offensive side of the ball. Offensive coordinator's out, so is the line coach, the running back coach, and the quarterback coach. So Nebraska will try Who's again. left? All right. Uh, the receiver's coach, I guess. Tight ends coach, maybe? Florida Gators quarterback Anthony Richardson, who has uh, recently emerged as the Gators starter, injured his knee while dancing at the team hotel the night before their loss to South Carolina. They got beat 40-17. to 17. He didn't play. He did dress. He was there just in case of an emergency, but they sat him out. The Gators program headed the wrong way. And they're coming up on the youth schedule here pretty quick. Next couple of years. Right. I would play Florida, too. I wouldn't want any part of BYU. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Obviously, right? right? Stay away from the ranked team. Get the unranked team. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you get when you schedule yours out. Looks like a good idea, but how much sizzle will it have when it gets there? Texas Longhorns wide receiver Joshua Moore, team's leading receiver a year ago, was in the transfer portal after a heated confrontation with Steve Sarkeesian and some other coaching staff members last week. So, has Texas lost four in a row now? And leading in the fourth quarter of most of them. Is that where they're at? So that would mean they were leading in the fourth quarter of three of them. I believe that is the number. Well, it has to be. If it's most of them, right? Because two be. would be a fifty percent, right? So it wouldn't be most. So it has to be three. So why not say leading in the quarter of three of them, or in the fourth quarter in three of them? Why go most? Be even more accurate. That's what I learned. <laughs> they uh, did not have the lead against Iowa State. Iowa State. All right. Well, was, you got one to play with. Yep. You better but get o- that other one, or else you've given no, me inaccurate information. Well, they blew the fourth quarter lead against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. It is three out of four. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small and get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Frank Dolce, our Ute Insider. An analyst for the Zone Sports Network will be here at 8 o'clock. Utah. Can we have a magic number in football? The magic number to clinch the South now is two. Well, it three games ago. Good, yeah. They can get a win, and if it's ASU over. loses, it's been over. It's over. Weeks. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver at 9 o'clock. John Judkins, Dixie State men's basketball coach at 9.30. They play Gonzaga tonight. We get the early preview. Get the early preview of the number one team in the country. Yeah. Maybe we'll get some Jeff Judkins stories while we're at it, too. Get the dirt. All right, there you go. That's on tap this morning. Question of the day is coming up next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. 
It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After 10 long, grueling weeks, it's finally a bye week for Kalani Sataki and the BYU Cougars. But just because the Cougars have the week off doesn't mean the coverage slows down on the Zone Sports Network. Keep it locked all week on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the home stretch of the Cougar football season. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for the question of the day. Hot Takes Your Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment. Or visit www.utahhairmd.com. <coughs> Today's question, how bad good is the Pac-12 this season? Vernon says it's awful. When Utah's running for Pac-12 South, or running the Pac-12 South, you know there's a problem. What? Dismissing the Utes. Why? Well, probably because he's a BYU fan. So we, you got to click on more than that. No, you, you, you're the clicker honor to discover that stuff. I don't give a crap about that. Uh, you like to determine where they're coming from. Uh, they will have won the division. They will win the division three out of four years, and the only one last year when... There was really no division to win. They concocted something uh, because other conferences started playing. Ooh, wait a second, this looks bad. And so they threw, to, threw together something almost literally at the last minute when they should have been playing all along. Uh, so I don't even count that. So in my mind, they've won three in a row. That's a sign of an outstanding program. Now the conference is a mess. I like your question to Kyle Whittingham yesterday. I don't believe his answer. He's head coach. That's what he got to say. It, it doesn't come up in recruiting. Okay, but that doesn't mean it's not an issue. You can't tell me they've lost kids. They haven't lost kids to other conferences because those conferences are deemed better. It may not come up. They may say, hey, coach, man, your conference sucks. I'm not going to your program. Bye. So if, it doesn't come up because it doesn't have to come up. Right? No, I'm not going to go to the prom with you. You're ugly as sin. I mean, you don't say that. <laughs> but you don't have to, but you don't go with them. Right. <laughs> right. That, you told me that story that time. You're not nearly popular enough <laughs> going with the quarterback over here. <laughs> so, I, I disagree on that. And then balance. Do you realize that this week, the Sun Devils, will play against a team the third game in a row with an interim coach. Cool. When has that ever happened? If that's not a sign of your conferences in chaos, I don't know what is. Three in a row. And they're firing guys left and right. And his, Clay Helton, they fired in after two games, right? Yep, got him back in September. Well, Sun Devils can top that. We dropped three guys in August. <laughs> Not the head coach. <laughs> three assistants equals one head coach. Right. And meanwhile, they're like 
87th in the conference in recruiting because virtually every kid has said, screw that, I ain't going there. So they're, they're set up to be a mess for years to come. Unless they just go heavily into the transfer and become Kentucky of, the, uh, of college football. I mean, they've, they've literally got pretty much everybody has dropped off of the impending some form of penalties and probably dismissals. And their D coordinator can't recruit off campus, and he's the one who brought in all the guys in the first place from L.A. because they can't get anybody from Arizona. So let's fool them and bring them over here, and they don't realize how hot it is. <laughs> so three assistant, co- three interim coaches in a row. That's a sign that there's trouble. Two of which will be uh, in November. Yeah, that's bad news. And David Shaw just lost by 45 points. And he's the highest paid coach. And that program is trending down. I love Shaw as much as the next guy. I love interviewing him every year. But it is not going well. It's all about wins and losses, man. You can tell me about your team GPA and the good you're doing in the community. That's all well and good, but wins and losses. you got to win some football games. That's what determines uh, your job security. Nothing else. You can be the greatest dude in the world. Wins and losses. And they're going in the toilet. Chip Kelly, man, it was a phenomenal hire. I mean, you just wait. He is just going to bring all sorts of stuff to Westwood, unlike anything we've ever seen. He's got him all the way to mediocre. I'm, I'm a patient man. I'm, I'm willing to wait another five, six years. <laughs> so on one hand, the Utes have won the thing three years in a row, excluding last year. On the other hand, and if you can't win it this year, you suck. It's teed up for you, that's for sure. This division is awful. I mean, Colorado had one throw out last year, but since they've been in the conference, one good full season. Otherwise, they've sucked every single season. Yeah, what's your point? That this division is so weak, and the conference, you got a coach striking a player. Uh, Chase Garber's coming out, going after the government for making them do whatever. I mean, I get so tired of reading all this stuff. Uh, he put out a statement yesterday, the Cal quarterback, and their, their season is in the toilet. Oregon State, yeah, they're really good. They Clint. lost to Cal in, in the Colorado. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> you play the comparative scores game, and it does not bode well. But they got that one thing. Good. The conference has the one thing. There's only one thing. Oregon went to Columbus, Ohio, went into the horseshoe without their superstar defensive lineman. Their highest-paid player. And beat Ohio State. Right. They did without their highest-paid player. They beat them. Embrace that, because after that, it gets a little thin. You know, we've got one team ranked. Only got one team receiving other, uh, other teams receiving votes. That's not good. No. They are, uh, they got three wins against Power 5 schools this year. Well, uh, three. Uh, so it's more is, about the losses, right? So is is uh, if BYU is not a Power Five team, but Notre Dame is, then they're three and ten, headed for three and eleven. Well, BYU is. Well, then you got a. That's a lot of losses. I know. I know <laughs> you got the Channel Two background, and so you want to dismiss those guys. It's been that way forever, back when uh, Fox and McKay McGrath did the store did the games on TV and basketball. But come on, way before that. Yeah. 
Bowl subdivision, nine wins, 16 losses, and if they lose to BYU and Notre Dame on the final week of the season, which I think is how everyone would pick it now, that would be nine and 18. Bowl subdivision. I'm not going to go with some jargon that somebody created. Division one. Five and five against the Mountain West this year. Got a lot more money located in population centers with a lot more people. About five and five. Some of them, not all of them. True story. Yeah, I'm, I'm San Jose State. I'm thinking, hey, we won the South. Forget you, BYU. <laughs> <laughs> and Kyle said yesterday that, well, if the thing happened today, we're going to be in the playoff. Yeah, but you're trying to prevent that from happening. <laughs> not once, but twice. You're going to have probably. two shots at these guys yeah. to prevent that from happening. So, in a sense, you're digging your own grave. You can wreck the league. Yeah. They've only had, what, the thing's been around since 2015 or 16. They've had two. Oregon and Washington got mm-hmm. in. Right. And the last was uh, Washington in 2017. Oregon got in the first year. So it was 2016 then? And that's still the only win they have in it. What's that? Because Washington went out in the first game. It's just bad news, man. It is. You are what your record says you are, and you just add up the wins and losses, and it looks bad. Even our dear friend Yogi Roth would have trouble spinning that, which he would. I heard him talking on social media how Oregon should move up to second. Hell, move him up to first. (laughs) (laughs) No, George's George's first. (laughs) Just already give him a bid. Figure out who the other three teams are. (laughs) <laughs> I could in my background I, I think my body would break out into like sores and stuff if I was that positive <laughs> <laughs> you'd have open sores yeah. there would be some type of chemical revolt you say, you say something positive it's just like your arm starts blistering no, I could be positive but that positive, positive. And I love the guy, man. He's the most knowledgeable Pac-12 guy. And you got to do what you got to do to keep a paycheck. I'm all for it. So is Oregon going to just distract everyone? Look at the shiny Oregon thing over here. Forget the mess over here. Yeah. By beating four straight teams with winning records. That's what they've got to do. Well, they, they don't have. They don't yeah, have. I got uh, it. I guess Oregon State could. By the time they get there, I mean Oregon State's five and four right oh, now. I think all the teams on their schedule are dangerous because that's the beauty of the Pac-12. They got Washington State who's five and four this week. They're dangerous. And then they got the Utes, and they got Oregon State who's five and four right now. All three of those games, and it's a rivalry game, obviously. Yeah. So you have to factor that in. You can play better. I've seen it. We've all seen it. I've seen it a million times. A walk-on from Santa Barbara. Uh, uh, for UC Los Angeles yep. beats the mighty Trojans, and they, we, we were all just stunned. Gauchos trained the best quarterback. Classic example. I think his name was John Barnes, if I remember. Mm-hmm. And it was just an unbelievable uh, upset. And so it's the epitome of rivalry games. I always point to that one. I couldn't believe it. And I was living in California, and it was a big deal at the time. Uh, so with that in mind, yeah, just outrageous. So you have to factor in Oregon State on paper seems better than what the Bruin team had at that point. So uh, if if Oregon goes four and zero, they deserve to be in. I'll be the first one right there. I believe it. You had the one loss. Everybody else gets a one loss. So why can't you?
you know, you lost to Stanford, which lost to Utah by 45 points. Yeah. And I realized they had a bunch of guys missing, but it was at home. You lost by 45 points. So Oof. I, I, I just, I can't. Uh, you can't explain that I, one away. No, particularly, you know, if your program had been really good and then all of a sudden you had the injuries and COVID and whatnot and you had a bad game, okay, fine. But that's not the way it's been going for Stanford. I mean, it's, I mean Baylor Romney's going to have some competition for that backup quarterback job next year with Tanner McKee. Oh, you're calling it now? <laughs> <laughs> Gutting the Stanford program? <laughs> Actually, I would advise those boys, unless you're a surefire NFL guy, stay at Stanford. It's a golden ticket. Yeah. That degree will get you jobs everywhere. Yeah, it really will. So, uh, I'd still... Had anybody would ask me if Stanford's offering you a full scholarship on the football team, take it, man. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what kind of – Shaw has been such a good dude to see what kind of pressure is on him. Uh, you know what happened earlier last week? Uh, I was gone Friday, so I couldn't tell you these. Remember we had on Jordan Simone, the safety for mm-hmm. ASU? Well, he does their sideline. Yeah. So he has this – well, not anymore. Speak, right. <laughs> speak of the Devils podcast, and the, and I know the guy. The guy who does it is the son of the play-by-play guy. And was oh, Healy's son, Tim Healy's son? Yes. Okay. Joe. Okay. And and he has me on every year. They they bring on somebody to preview the enemy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So every year with the Utes, uh, he brings me on. And so Simone, man, was just going to town. <laughs> I'm off to train, man. These guys aren't getting coached. They don't know. The coaches don't know how to coach him up. I feel sorry for these players. <laughs> he didn't say anything that wasn't true. But what will he be doing this Saturday? I don't know. Not the game. No. <laughs> he got fired. He got fired, man. He spoke the truth. Now, he spoke it from a, a place of 100% love. I mean, he loves the program. There's no question about that. And it hurts. And for, to me, it's a bunch of teenage kids, so I don't, I don't really get caught up in all, all that stuff. Uh, win, great, lose. Uh, okay, the problems that I still have are right there. Uh, teenage kids don't determine my mood. But if they do for you, I'm all for it. In fact, I'm grateful that they do because that means you're invested in sports radio. All so right. Continue to be uh, have your moods determined by teenage kids. I'm all for it. Uh, because uh, the rest of us, our moods are determined by teenage kids. They're just the ones that we call our children. And uh, their moods determine the uh, happiness of our home. But I'm getting off the track there. Uh, so he loves the program passionately, and he spoke the truth as he saw it. And he got canned. They canned a bad look. I would bring him in and say, hey, maybe maybe tone it down a little bit. Yeah. But don't add legs to the story by getting rid of him. But they added legs to the story yeah. by getting rid of him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dead Spin added or yeah. Brooks, what's up? By Brooks Sports or by Brooks. Sports by Brooks. Yeah. I didn't know. That's still out there, huh? I mean, well, he so he took about a decade hiatus and he's been back for about uh, a year or two now. Okay, yeah. I saw it out there in various... Uh, Deadspin yeah. loves stuff like that. They well, live for stuff like and that. And Jordan also put it on his own Twitter feeds. He put that, I've been, I've been canned. Yeah. I love the program, blah, blah, blah. But uh, it burned an hour on my drive to Vegas on Friday. As I was listening to that, and I, oh man, wow, that's really, really strong. Now, I didn't disagree with anything that he said, and that's your second place team in the division that still has a shot. 
Uh, maybe need maybe, a lot of help. Five percent shot. Yeah, I know. That's about right. If yeah. they had, if the Utes weren't playing two lousy teams, I would. Uh, right. That, that's the thing about it. They can get smoked by Colorado or uh, Oregon, and it won't matter. And then, so so then it's going to be a bad look in the, for the Pac-12 in the Rose Bowl if Oregon makes the playoff. Because then you're going to have a, f- a five-loss mi- team. Minimum, well, you, minimum four, right. likely five. Right. UCLA could win out, be eight and four, and get selected. Yeah. And then they could just say, well, we had to start a freshman against those guys. So, of course, we couldn't compete. Speaking of the Utes. That would be the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. And if the Utes have been, especially depending on what those Oregon games look like, you know, how competitive are they? And I hope that the, if the Utes do lose both times to Oregon, I hope they go to the Rose Bowl, just for selfish reasons. It would be fun to cover it, obviously. And then I think that puts the nail in the coffin of the two divisions. Yeah, I just don't see how that's sustainable. I think those are going away. I think we're going to 12 teams in the playoffs, and it's going to eliminate divisions everywhere. They're just going to be done. Do it immediately. Could. You absolutely could. No rule says you got to wait till then. Nope. 2024? No, do it now. Not that there's a second team in the North that's screaming, we deserve to that's, go. That's what would really do it, is if the two best teams were in the same division. Which there'll be a time. It would seem like it's just a matter of time before that happens. And, you know, if you're in the SEC or the Big 12 or maybe or Big 10, I should say, probably, it doesn't really matter. If but I think third, it matters in the Pac-12. Yeah, if your third team's in the top 10. Yeah. The risk in the 12-team format going forward is you're going to have the 24th-ranked champion because some 8-4 and four team's going to pull an upset in a title game. So you're going to have to let your two highest-ranked teams into your title game. Yeah, but I don't, I, it's probably not going to happen very often. It won't happen very often, but you can't risk messing it up one year. There'll be too much money at stake. So the ACC and the uh, Pac-12 will follow the Big 12's lead. And you're right, the Big 10 and the SEC. Do it now. I don't follow anybody's lead. Do it now. <laughs> the Big 12 has already done it. No divisions for them. To, well, they didn't have enough teams, so they had no choice. Uh, so they did it out of necessity. Uh, here they need to do it for to put the best foot forward for the conference. Which the conference is, is, it doesn't, I don't take any joy saying it, but I think it's accurate. And I'm not going to get fired because I'm not paid by any college team to say whatever, but I think it's the truth. I absolutely think it's the truth. The losses to the Big Sky teams, the 500 record with the Mountain West, the awful record against the other Power Five leagues, all the numbers add up and screams. There's a problem. you got to get better. Multiple teams have got to improve. But with that in mind, when I was working for the Watchdog and Majerus would run roughshod over the whack, and if there was a, a – like New Mexico got good there for a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they, were, they were a nationally ranked program. They had NBA guys, and it was a great little rivalry there for a bit. Uh, and they would ask him – I knew because I always knew what he was going to say, so I knew what questions to ask or not ask. And he say, "Oh yeah, man, it's good for the for the whack." And he would basically say, uh, the edited version: "I don't give a bleep about the whack. <laughs> what difference does it make? A little bit to your RPI, but not enough for him to sweat it." Right, right. So and he, he knew how to schedule. He didn't the like Carl Benson, yeah, the commissioner. 
Somebody told me, somebody very high up said it was always when Craig Thompson got in there, they made sure that they got him uh, on the good foot because once you got on the bad foot with that dude, that's was, the way it was that's, forever. Yeah, it you're was gonna, never changing. You're not Eventually, that. they all got on the bad foot with him because that's the way it was. And, but get him off on this. Yeah. So at least you minimize a couple years of conflict. Right. right. So he, he couldn't care less about the whack. He said, the whack does nothing for me. It's my program. And I'm paraphrasing. So, you fans, is that the way you feel? What difference does it make if the conference sucks, if you're winning games, getting recruits, sending guys to the NFL, uh, winning divisions, uh, see if you can finally win the title? And finally is a bad word. I take that back. Uh, 10 years, 11 years, uh, that's not long enough to say finally. Uh, so let me retract that word. But you win the division for the fir- or win the conference for the first time. Uh, what, what difference does it make if you beat suppose suppose you beat Oregon twice, which is very very much conceivable. It is not beyond the realm. So you roll in there at nine and three, right? Uh, which would be ten and three. You are certainly you're ranked. I think in my mind you ought to be ranked in the top fifteen. I don't know that you will, but you ought to. And if you win those two games, so you beat the other two, Arizona and Colorado, which is pretty much gimmies, and then you beat the Ducks here and then in Vegas, and you go in ten and three, who gives a crap what the conference is about? You're happy and everybody else's problems aren't gonna wreck your mood on January first in Pasadena. Do you think Clemson cares that the ACC stinks? No, they probably enjoy it. I mean, secretly, their coaching staff is thinking, we can sit this guy this week. We, we don't need this guy this week. Most years. I mean, this year, obviously, they're not as good. But do I think they did that in the Trevor Lawrence era if they needed to? Sure, why not? They were good enough to do it. It doesn't need to be the, the complete grind. No. I think, the, I think for any elite team, the question is, can I, in this, is this league well-respected enough that with one loss, I can still get in the playoff? Well, the answer is yes. Well, the answer has been this year in the Pac-12. The answer, the answer is, is yes. yes. Right in, now, as in, of today, the answer <clears throat> is yes. Yes. You're right. In previous years, the answer has been no. doesn't matter. We're talking about now. <laughs> if, you you go, with if you go... Right. You can get American, in with a loss. It's not the loss that's getting them in or keeping them it's out. The it's win the win. They got that win over Ohio State. Yes. So this year, so you work. need to schedule those games and beat them. Because if you had played Portland State that game, you're not in. And in the American, Cincinnati's not in. In the American, if Cincinnati loses, they're not getting in. And they scheduled one of those games. They went to Notre Dame and won. But and they it's won't still not good with, enough. They won't get in with a loss, and there's a chance they won't get in undefeated. So that's why for Utah. They need to get BYU back on the schedule. They need to have the toughest schedule possible. Not the weakest. Or not weakest, but weaker. Well, we play one power five, so we can't play these guys. Although they, they're changing that. And I don't care if it's BYU, with or without the Cougars. It doesn't matter. The point is, schedule up, which Harlan is trying to do. You have to give him credit for that. He's trying to do that because this is the classic example. The only reason why the Ducks are ranked th- Fourth, and I assume tonight they'll move up. Does it come out on Tuesdays, right? It does. Michigan State lost is because they beat Ohio State. Good on them, man. They got. There's no other game in the conference that comes close to that game in terms of uh, 
positive publicity. It's overwhelming. And they won that game. And, and, and the fact that they didn't have Thibodeau was even better because he's a marquee dude who's going to go in the top five or whatever he might go. And so people around the country know of that fella because he's really, really good. And so that gave him, in a sense, gave him even more positive pub. Hey, you won without that. Man, if you would have had that guy, you we would have won easily, man. He's a one-man wrecking crew. He comes on like a wrecking ball. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> <I said. laughs> What's the next best win for the league? The LSU win, even though it's been devalued with Orgeron getting fired? No, there isn't one. There's no number two. I'm running through off the top of my head. Because the conference cancels each other out, so you really can't count. Well, Utah beating Stanford by 45. No, no, I'm looking for best non-conference I know. win. Yeah. Well, you, but you can have a great conference win, too. Yep. It doesn't just have to be non-conference. Uh, so Washington lost to Michigan, so that was an opportunity missed there. That would have been good. Well, Washington sucks, and I want it to be known that I pumped up Washington all August. So if you think I know my stuff, please remember that I pumped up Washington big time. It's your conference! <laughs> they suck. <laughs> Maybe I underestimated Jimmy Lake. I thought he was ready for the gig. He'd been at a high-level assistant for a number of years. And I was thinking, now I viewed it as a Mel Tucker. You know, when I, I didn't know much of Mel Tucker, but then when they hired him at Colorado and I sat across from him, uh, I had done the research he, ahead of time. But He's got it. Well, as I sat across from him, I said, it's about time, brother. You, This is something that you deserved years ago. Your resume is off the charts. And, you know, he did Colorado. He didn't work miracles, but he's only there one season. And then Michigan State, what are they, 8-1? and one? Yep. Uh, I realize they had the disappointing loss last week. But uh, still, what Michigan State fan, for what they've been through recently, isn't taking 8-1. and one. So I viewed Jimmy Lake as, as a Mel Tucker-type guy. Uh, but maybe I was wrong. And, and I don't know necessarily why I viewed that, because my approach on coaches is wait and see, no matter who it is. And then the one time you get ahead of yourself, it turns out you got ahead of yourself. So far. So far, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've been a massive disappointment. They've been the biggest disappointment in the conference, in my mind. I mean, they lost to a big Sky team. Come on. At home. Oops. Nobody's topping that. I mean, you could say the Devils are a disappointment relative to expectations, but those expectations, how real are they? They're six and three, four and two. How many times in November have they been six and three, four and two? They have a chance to go eight and four. Yeah. I mean, gosh, look at their program, eight and four. They got to split with Washington and Oregon State and beat Arizona, and they'll be eight and four. So that's totally doable. More often than not, although I take that, yeah, out of that program. Although if they lose. I mean, we were talking earlier, the magic number is two. So if they lose to Washington this week, which I wouldn't think they would, but... You didn't, you didn't think they were going to lose to Washington State. You got me there. So why wouldn't you think so that? So if they lose to Washington and the Utes beat Arizona as expected, yeah, that's a, all done with two weeks given. ago. That's a given, though. That, that Oregon that, game just... An exhibition. That is an exhibition course. either way. They don't need to win that. They're going, they're going to be the South representative. So that's... the. I hope you don't pump that up Saturday on your your pump little, it up your little TV show. Nice, I love it when you throw little in front <laughs> I know of you something. Did. That's why I said it. <laughs> I mean, it's a, they're going to play in Vegas. I've never been more sure of anything in my life. They're going to play. If you want to go full pecan, somebody just drop the word little in front of whatever. 
in your little conference title game? Well, that's a <laughs> that'll be a big one, man. There'll be sixty five thousand people there. That will have that will have been my third time in the stadium if I go. Two you, football, one concert. Nice. Know the secret places to park. Important information right there. You gonna share it with anybody? You gonna share it with the Ute fans? No, then it won't be secret. <laughs> Find PK, follow him in. He knows. <laughs> he knows. All right, DJ and PK. So be what you fans take on all of this. We will get to that next. Be careful. I don't think the take's as obvious as it should be. We will get to that coming up. DJ and PK. Frank Dolce's here at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. James Empey, offensive lineman, BYU. That final walk and the 100 yards across the Edwards Stadium, how emotional was that for you? That's a cool tradition that we do, kind of that last walk in Lavelle. And, you know, I've always thought it was cool since my first year here. And, you know, it was a cool moment and everybody's excited. And like I was saying, tons of great memories, tons of great experiences, lots of lessons learned and growth here. And, you know, regardless of what the future holds, it was special. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-need ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream, starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. When? Now. All right. So, question of the morning. How good or bad is the Pac-12 this season? Michael says it really depends on which way in-state you lean. People you fans think it's not good. Except the Cougars are ranked due to beating four Pac-12 teams. So, you fans see it as not great this year either. He was pretty loaded and may very well win out. Blue and red makes a pretty big difference in how you talk about the Pac-12. Should BYU fans be banging on the Pac-12 right now? Yeah, I don't know that blue has anything to do with the fact that only Oregon is the only team ranked in the top 25, and only one other team is receiving votes. That has nothing to do with blue. It just is. Yeah. And the thing about BYU saying, well, they're not self-incriminating them, by saying, well, that stinks. No. You scheduled these games when you thought these teams were supposed to be good. And Utah's a good team. So the Pac-12 can suck, but you beat Utah. I don't think Utah sucks. You don't think Arizona Arizona State sucks? They're okay. They probably shouldn't be the third best team in the league right now, which they are, and they've got problems, and they've got self-inflicted wounds. But they're not horrible. Arizona's horrible. They got no, they're that. all right. Especially on a Pac-12 level, they're all right. But, I mean, if you start uh, deciphering wins against teams with 500 records or better, it gets pretty weak. I mean, I think they only got two of them. Oops! <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> I mean, you can beat... Obviously, this is not the version of SC that we've come to know and hate. No. Uh, so, but they're they're okay. They're okay. Yeah, I've got no problem saying they're okay. I mean, that's Herm's big thing about how difficult it is to make a bowl. Shut up. <laughs> you could sketch your way to a bowl. Yeah. You're in a Power Five. 
You buy off three lousy teams. Man, come on. You get to 3-0. and You just have to go 3-6 But and you six have to league. trump whatever accomplishments you've had, and they're not going to win the division. And they've returned everybody on defense, and now next year they're going to be picked. Well, you got Arizona and Colorado, but they could be picked fifth. Certainly they're going to be picked fourth uh, at the best. Uh, so, But they're, they're all right. And then you beat you beat a Pac-12 team. That's on the Pac-12 team to be better. It's not for you to have to say, well, sorry, they're not good. That's on them to say it. That's not on BYU to say it. So I don't want to hear any of that stuff. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Uh, they beat them. And if they're not good enough, well, that's on them. The Cougars, when you start winning all these games that they've won in the last couple of years, I don't want to hear any more yeah buts. I'm sick of the yeah buts. You know, the, the thing I was thinking about, you know, Zach Wilson was all that last year, no question. But you look at the program for BYU, I can pretty much say, and I can't guarantee anything, but I can say with a fair amount of certainty that their record wouldn't be any better this year with Zach Wilson than it, than it is with Jaron Hall. Well, it can't be that much better. There's only two games, well, and I, I don't I see how the quarter be substantially better. I think two losses, eight and two versus ten and zero, is massively different. The impact, even though the wins and the number isn't. Yeah. Make more big plays and cover up for all the turnovers, or you just you know you you I mean, throw... they got hammered against Baylor, right? So it's really could you made enough big plays to make up for the turnovers against Boise State, and maybe they lose a game somewhere else along the way. So maybe it's a game difference. And the point I'm making by bringing this up is that we're talking about a quality program with quality players that they've scouted and they've developed. And now they've got all sorts of momentum. It seems like every kid uh, who is from Utah who doesn't like at school A, school B is BYU. I mean, the Nakua brothers. Uh, and there's been a couple of guys this year, right? Kingsley, what's his last name there, Yuck? Suomataya. And then there's some other, what did I read, just some other linebacker from some other program? He hasn't committed yet, but didn't he just leave? Oh, uh, MJ Tafis, he entered the transfer portal from Washington. He's a former Alta Hawk. Right, but doesn't, don't we all assume? Is this screaming BYU? Yeah. Well, the last name Tafisi should sound familiar because their strength coach is also a Tafisi, who happens to be his uncle. Yeah, Tafisi, Kafusi, Moisi, Mahaha. You got guys committing, decommitting. For, yeah, it's an island guy. Look it up. You got guys <laughs> decommitting from Utah. The jump pass man's son. <laughs> <laughs> ben Moa, Iceman. Ben Moa, the converted tight end. We're the, out of running backs. How did you about playing running back? What's his son's name? Isaiah, but he goes by Ice. And what, what position does he play? Defensive end. And he's supposed Defensive to be really, end named Ice. Supposed to be really good, right? Well, he was committed to Utah and then flipped to BYU, so sure. Jeez, what is going on in Provo? Now we got this basketball kid who's going to go down there. You told me yesterday. Colin Chandler. Owen. Colin Chandler. Farmington High School. Farming, Farmington, that pipeline. It's the new Lone Peak up there. <laughs> that pipeline. The Lone this Peak. Is, the Lone Peak for three years. years. Yeah. <laughs> for three years. Can, are these the best of times in Provo? And you got this other kid. This is a, a, like how, ten star brother from Florida. How dare you dismiss Jimmer that quickly? How I'm talking dare about dare you collectively. <laughs> you got to combine, not just basketball. 
Football cool. and basketball to both be uh, rolling like this. Oh, yeah. Because by the time Chandler? BYU got to the Cotton Bowl season, it was a one Tur- He turns man. down Calipari to go to BYU. Well, I guess it'd be the best of times since Danny Ange and Jim and then, McMahon and then, were running around on Kansas in the 1980s. Pretty yeah. What, the guy's father of somebody else at Utah, I heard, is now popping off and all this stuff. And I would advise parents to be quiet, but that's just me. Be Carlson, his father apparently is alleging some things. Oh, cheating going on? Ah, come on, cheating. If it ain't academic fraud, I don't want to hear about it. It's NIL money. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's the cover story for everything now. It's NIL money. All right, DJ and PK, coming up next, Frank Dolce, Utah insider, analyst for the Zone Sports Network. We'll run this past him, plus the greatness of the Utes and how things are setting up for them now over the next three, possibly four games. We'll talk with Frank next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's time now to talk Utah football with the former Ute quarterback, Frank Dolce, our Ute insider here on the Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular and hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Frank, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Good to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. Well, we're all doing well, but I don't think we're doing as well as the Utes did in the first half in Palo Alto. Did that say more about Utah or more about Stanford? How'd you take it? Well, man, Stanford didn't look very good. So I, I don't know what to think about that Stanford team. They're, they're, it's a roller coaster. It's kind of a roller coaster ride. And I, I don't know if, if they have. Um, if they've cast in the season or if they're still interested in playing, but it just doesn't, it didn't feel very like, and, and, you know, I, I don't know what the the numbers were announced for the crowd on, on online. It kept saying capacity is 50,000, but it wouldn't announce the, the numbers. I didn't see if you guys saw the, the crowd, but there wasn't a crowd there. I think there 242 were 242 people. I think were there 242. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, 240 were Utah fans. So, uh, I I I think Utah. It, it was good. it was a combination of Utah was was pretty good, and Stanford just didn't seem interested. No, I would agree with that. But I need you to know, Frank. We've changed clocks now. The weather's getting worse. I am in football mode. This interview right now, you need to be prepared because I'm putting hat on hat. Okay, let's go. I'm ready. I'm always ready. Isn't that a isn't that a thing somewhere? Do the Marines say that? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. And in Something my heart, like I like to think of myself as a Marine. <laughs> I knew I couldn't cut it, so I didn't shine up you, for it. You identify as a Marine. <laughs> I, I, I'm, with, I'm with you. I like okay. that. The key, Here we go. The key word. So I think that, you know, we've known that Utah's had some stumbles. It's funny because for years they stumbled in November. Now they've changed that yeah. and they stumbled in December which is good to be in the position to stumble in December because a lot of teams aren't even in that position. But the Utes are this year, and they have been. And so with that in mind, I'm not expecting a stumble. At minimum, minimum, 
I'm expecting a split with Oregon. I don't care about Arizona and Colorado. That's a waste of time. Uh, you got to play them, and they suck. So go beat them, and and hopefully nobody gets hurt. I mean that that's the goal. The goal of those two games is beat those teams and don't have any major injuries along the way. But the Oregon game next week, and then the game, which I think is just I know Utah's going to be there. I'm pretty sure Oregon's going to be there. I think they split. What do you think? Yeah, I I would lean that way. Also, it's just it's really hard to beat a team twice, especially. You know, like a, like an Oregon team that's that's super talented. Although I, it doesn't quite feel like Oregon has put it all together. I think that starts with the quarterback position. Like I think they're super talented all over the field, and maybe um, average to above average talented at the quarterback position. So that that may be an issue with that football team, but. Uh, but I like what I like what Coach Cristobal does. I like his philosophy and his culture, and and so that's going to be. I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it's impossible. Um, I wouldn't say it's impossible for Utah to lose twice to that to that football team if they got in that position. But I think a split is very is a very reasonable way to to look at it. And if Utah, so so I try to say, you know, when have we seen Oregon at their best? You know Ohio State. That was that was pretty early in the football season. When have we seen Utah at their best? Well, that seems pretty recent. Maybe Stanford. Um, there's been you know halves of play where we've seen Utah really good recently. Uh, so I think if you match up Utah's best and Oregon's best, I think. Oh man, I want to say that Utah edges out Oregon, but. When you know when Oregon's at their best, they're pretty good. So I guess I just talked myself into your <laughs> one and one. <laughs> Especially they're going to play them like th- twice. They'll play them three weeks apart too. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. I uh, so which is more? I mean, which game is more meaningful? Do you think? Think uh, second one. If it, it, the second one, yeah, yeah, the second one. So. So do you throw the, this one? <laughs> you throw this one so you can beat them in the second one. <laughs> yeah, and then you, then you and then if Oregon wins out and then you beat them, the whole conference hates you because you didn't uh, you took away the chance for a team to go to the playoff. But that's the way it goes. So yeah, yeah. I mean if you're if you're no you you're, you're Utah, you, Oregon needs to win both to get to the playoff. So there's more pressure on them there from that perspective. But if you're the Utes, yeah. you take the Pac-12 title game versus this one here. There's no way Oregon's going to the playoff. No way. I, there's no. There's no way. No way. Out, there's no way. No way. No he way. says, "Sniggy, correct him." Actually, my next question was going to be: Everybody in all the other Pac-12 uh, campuses believes that it will be a split because everything always goes wrong for the Pac-12. They won't get a team in a playoff. What is most likely to go wrong and jack everything up? Well, Utah is going to get one of those two games off Oregon. I think the playoff committee is counting on that, uh, <laughs> based on the way they they did the rankings. But but I just even even if Oregon goes undefeated, I just don't see the and if Oregon goes undefeated and Ohio State goes undefeated, and Cincinnati gets screwed. <laughs> Cincinnati gets screwed. But what about Oklahoma sitting outside? How does Oklahoma stay out? 
I thought you were going to say, uh, well, if Georgia beats Alabama, then Alabama's out. Because Alabama will have two losses. And if, well, if they yeah. don't, then you have two SEC teams. That's, and they absolutely set themselves up to do that. If Bama absolutely. beats Georgia, right. Bama's one, and Georgia will fall to three. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think it's very, <laughs> I think it's very unlikely that Oregon, Oregon gets in. Hmm. So and and I don't know that a I so, don't know that a one loss Oregon team. I don't know. Is it a one yes, loss Oregon yes. team competitive with the top four or five teams? Well, well they, they have the a win over they have a win over one loss Ohio State and what your your nightmare scenario? I know with, without 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 their best defensive players too. I mean, Georgia, it's a good win. There's no question. Alabama beats Georgia and is one. Okay. Georgia falls to two or three. Oklahoma, uh-huh. if Oklahoma's undefeated, I'm not convinced they will be for the same reason I'm not convinced Oregon can win out. But if Oklahoma does yeah. win out, they're in at two because they're undefeated. Georgia falls to three with a loss, and Ohio State is four, and Cincinnati is out, and Oregon is out. Yeah. I think and Notre Dame the... is out for that matter. I mean, Notre Dame, we could be sitting here. You know, if Notre Dame needs one more game, Notre Dame and BYU should call each other. BYU's thinking, hey, we're one big win away from going to a, maybe a Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. You throw a game together out. real quick, a 13th game. You can That's play it in Canada. There's a, there's a loophole. Well, you're a dumb hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. Oh. I know it's not going to happen. Then why bring it up, okay, man? We... We're serious here. We I don't know what when. you guys are planning on. You know you, how you do you do during the week now? You'll do like some cut-up of your interviews today. If the cut-up of you're a dumb hole <laughs> replaying all week long, I don't know what's wrong. Whoever does that, just that's, that's your loop for the rest of the week. <laughs> There's a loophole. No, you're a dumb hole. Well, I could have gone worse, but I didn't. Yeah, that was good. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks for showing some restraint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's comment comment of the day. You did, man. You did come ready to go hat to hat. <laughs> I got my hand in the dirt. I'm hat on hat today. I thought drop dead when I saw Kyle Whittingham elect to receive Mr. Defense. We're going on offense, man. He knew. They'd seen the film. He, knew. he never he does okay, that. Right. It's okay, not like so the first time they've whacked somebody. That's true. But, but the, Frank, why did they do that and then throw on two of the first three plays? Now, they converted the third down, but I thought, as soon as they thought that, I thought they've already scripted out 12 straight run plays to start this game. They're going after the 12th best run defense in the league, which would be the I, worst run defense in the league, and then they threw on them on two of the first three plays. You, can, you can't, I can't ever decipher what, you know, what's in the mind of an offensive coordinator. I never understand it because to all of us, so you, you, you think, well, Look at that. Utah's going to go on offense. Well, of course they're going to go on offense because Stanford is terrible on defense. They give up, you know, 1,000 yards a game, and 600 of that is, is rushing. So That's just a one player. You go on, and, and yeah, and, and Utah is, you know, running the ball pretty well. So, yeah, we're going to, of course, we're going to go on offense, and then we're just going to just jam it down the middle of the line of scrimmage and we're going to beat everybody up and and we go dropping back to dropping back to pass. I don't I don't know. I mean and and I have I have learned to just say look, I'm not in the I'm not in the film room. And so what I see on TV 
maybe looks different than in in the film room, or maybe what we see on the on the paper or stats page is different than what we see in the film room. But clearly, uh, Coach Ludwig and that offensive staff saw something in the pass game they th- thought they could exploit early, and maybe it was just a thing to get Cam Risen comfortable throwing the ball early because they knew that maybe he wasn't going to throw the ball a bunch during the game, and he sure didn't. He didn't need to. So I don't know. I don't know how to decipher it. I don't know why they threw the ball a couple times in the first few plays of the game. Um, you know, to keep Stanford off balance, who knows? But but what, whatever it is, um, Utah's figured it out. They were really good up front, and eventually they got to the part where they just started – smashing Stanford with the run game. Frank, we're talking a lot about Oregon, but is there any chance Washington State beats Oregon? Because yeah. then they both have two losses. Was yeah. it have the tiebreaker? They'd be in the driver's seat. Yes, absolutely. I said that, I said that um, last week when, when I was with uh, Hans and Scotty. I said, watch Washington State beat Oregon. And then and then who's now who's in charge of the North? Sure, but if you're Utah, and, you don't want that at all. No, I don't think you want that. No. No, I'm just saying that that's a that's uh not an unlikely scenario for for Washington State to do that because it's because it's the Pac twelve. And that's something that is that is very reasonable to think would happen. So until in, until Oregon State lost again which, I, who knows, I, at one point I was like, we, nobody wants to play Oregon State, and now it's like everybody wants to play Oregon State. <laughs> but at one point, it was even as late as last week, you know, Washington State wins, Oregon State wins, Oregon wins, all of a sudden, and then, and then you have possibly Oregon State beating Oregon, Washington State beating Oregon. I mean, the whole North is a mess. It's a complete mess. But, yes, I'm with you. Like, I think Washington State could – could be a little disru- di- disruptive uh, on, on the, in, yeah. in the north. Not with no PK, though. That wrecks the storyline. Oregon's the storyline. It does. That's the one everyone no, wants. But PK is like, I mean, PK is ve- very malleable. I mean, he would, whatever <laughs> the storyline is this week, <laughs> next week he would, he would have a new storyline, right? He, I mean, oh, he'd put a hat on a hat and go after a new storyline. There's no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, I, don't, I have no, no question. No question about that. The Pac-12 is just is just weird this year. So, you know what whatever's happening at Washington right now, um, coaches being fired. I thought Jonathan Smith had it dialed in, um, and maybe they're still a year a, a year away. I, I don't know. It's just it's a it's a funny conference. Dante Williams is doing everything he can not to be the next head coach at at USC. So. I, it's a it's a weird conference. I wouldn't be surprised to see five head coaching op- opportunities in the South this year. I mean that that is that seems like a reasonable possibility with with what's happening. Although you know Colorado's kind of Colorado's kind of coming around. What do you guys think of Carl Durrell? By the way, I mean is he is he going to get that thing going? Is he a is he a long timer at Colorado? No, I would guess no. No. Man, sorry. You know, I wanted him to. Do, I wanted him to do so well at UCLA, and then it just never kind of, it never materialized. And then I thought, okay, he's gonna, he's gonna really light it on fire at, at 
Colorado. Maybe it's just because I want him to. I don't know. I just think he's. I think it's largely because you want him to. Yes. Great guy. He's a great guy. I've talked to him many times. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Great, great guy, but there's some serious heavy lifting to be done there. And so I think until we see someone do it, the default prediction is no, they're not going to. Even though PK has said a million times, well, you never know with a coaching hire. True. They're True starting enough. to do. They're doing some facility stuff there, and that's going to help. Probably the next guy. Oh man! And Boulder's a great town. I mean, I, I think Boulder's a great place. It shouldn't be too difficult to to recruit there, and, and certainly they've had success in the past. So, do you think? Uh, do you think Jimmy Lake survives this year? No, I'm with PK. No, he just got yeah. suspended a game without pay. They've got a great chance to lose to Washington State and end on a down note. <laughs> They're four and five. Are they? Are they going to be bowl eligible? No. Oh man. They can lose There's to ASU and drop to four and six. Beat Colorado. Lose to Wazoo. Be five and seven. No. There's a, there's a little, there's a little, <laughs> he's putting there's no little, hat on the no hat. <laughs> no, no. There's a little rumor going around in Seattle that the trustees are getting together and putting together a nice package for Chris Peterson <laughs> to come back. No. Please. <laughs> Please. Please, Chris, we're begging you. We got no other ideas. If he's interested in coaching, excuse me, I'm SC, I throw him Whatever package Washington puts, I triple it. No question. Yeah, you just go down to New. You go down to Newport Beach and tell some alums to write some checks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd love to see. I'd love to see Chris Peterson at uh, at USC. I just think that. I I think that would be fantastic for the Pac-12. I would think most U fans would like to not see that happen. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand that part of it, but but um, for the for for the sake of the conference, I mean, the conference needs something because as it sits, you can't have like you, you can't go through a every year like oh we got one loss Oregon or we have one loss this team and if they win the rest of their games and it's unlikely that the winners of the games and are they going to be over to, able to overcome the f- playoff committee and. You need a dominant team in in the Pac-12, or the Pac-12 is never going to see the playoffs ever. So, I mean, for the for the Pac-12, they need to make some. They need to figure out some hires. Chris Peterson is is a guy that they need to go. I mean, they just need to go get him, and they need to put him in the right spot. Washington potentially is the right spot. USC definitely is a right spot. So, uh, I. I just don't know how – philosophically, I just don't know that the Pac-12 as a conference is really that interested in in a football championship. So, And if that's the case, then, then they'll go find a, you know, a good guy to run USC. But USC will have two losses every year, even with all the talent. And same with Washington and, and maybe Oregon. You know, maybe one team will sneak through with one loss, but, but they're never going to see the playoffs. If, if that's the way it's going to be. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we just have to settle on that. The Pac-12 is just, that's not the, the main focus of the Pac-12 is to win a football championship. We'll leave it right there, Frank. Thanks for the downer. Did we even talk about Utah, Arizona? We tried not to.
I listened. PK, did you listen to that? Did you listen to the radio broadcast? Did you watch the game? Which game? Arizona. Sorry, the Arizona game last week. I did not listen to radio. No. What? So I like to listen. I I t- t- I like to listen to the local radio broadcasts when I can. Like, so I listen to the Arizona broadcast, and I can't remember the name. You probably know him. I can't remember the name of the. Uh, of the play-by-play guy for Arizona, um, but he did he did a nice job on the broadcast. It was very entertaining listening to him, and you could just hear the excitement in his voice as it got closer and closer and closer. And I I'm not kidding. I think that he broke down and shed tears at <laughs> like he got all choked up at the end of that. At the end of that football game, it was just kind of an amazing moment to listen in in radio football. It was like he he literally broke down. He was emotional. <laughs> he was talking about. I think it was homecoming. I mean, all of these things kind of went congealed together in the perfect storm, and and uh, it was quite a moment in uh, in radio football history. I thought it was very entertaining. Frank, good to catch up with you. We will talk to you again next week. Thank you. All right, you guys. You're the best. Have a great week. Hat on hat next week, Frank. All right, Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, on a bye week coming up at 9 o'clock. And John Judkins, Dixie State men's basketball coach, facing number 1-ranked Gonzaga. He'll be here at 9.30. We have jazz tickets to give away, and we will do that next. And if you don't win, then again in the 9 o'clock hour. If you don't win then, well, you know, the rest of the day here on The Zone. DJ and PK, somebody's going to the Jazz-Hawks game. It's tonight, and we'll give away the tickets next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. James Empey, offensive lineman, BYU. That final walk in the 100 yards across the Edwards Stadium, how emotional was that for you? That's a cool tradition that we do, kind of that last walk in Lavelle. And, you know, I've always thought it was cool since my first year here. And, you know, it was a cool moment and everybody's excited. And like I was saying, tons of great memories, tons of great experiences, lots of lessons learned and growth here. And, you know, regardless of what the future holds, it was special. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. we got a pair of tickets to see the Utah Jazz play the Atlanta Hawks tonight. We're looking for caller 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. If you want to go see the Jazz and the Hawks tonight, we got tickets to see the Jazz and the Hawks again in the 9 o'clock hour. Be here at 9.30 for that. And we'll have tickets all day long on every show, every hour. So stay tuned. Right now, 855-340-ZONE. You can win right now. Y'all can pick up the phone and caller 12 is going to the game. PK. What? How many excuses do you want to hear tonight? Zero. Z. Row. Here come the Atlanta Hawks. And yeah, they looked really good in the playoffs last year. Knocked the Knicks out in the first round. Won a seven-gamer in the second round. Sent the Sixers packing. And we're 2-2 with the Bucks in the conference final. But it has not translated to this year. They've opened up 4-7 and seven this year. They're on a four-game losing streak. They are 1-6 and six on the road. They are playing back-to-back after giving up 50 points to Steph Curry and losing to the Warriors in San Francisco last night. Zero. As in zero res. See what you did there. I want no residue left. 
on the basketball floor tonight. Jazz got to win. They got to get back. You're already chasing Golden State. True story. Can't let them get too far ahead of you. Prefer not to. No. Warriors are nine and one, best record in the NBA. Jazz are seven and three, which is tied for second in the West, tied for third in the entire NBA. You got these home games coming up. You got a bunch of them. This is a five game homestand, but there's uh, you extrapolate it out even more. There's twelve out of seventeen or something. I don't know what it is, <clears throat> but a lot got, of home you games. A bunch, is your point. So yeah. let's take care of biz. Because I think that this is a caliber team that shouldn't have, at the very most, more than five home losses this year. That'd be an outstanding record at home. Right. So they play 41, so what's 41 minus 5? 36 and 5 is what you're I think they should go. Yeah, I think that's realistic, if not better. And then maybe, you know, a couple of games above 500 on the road. And there you go. That's 24 and 17 on the road. And hey, look at that. You just built a 60 win team, PK. If you can get 24, I'd take 24 and 17 just about every season. Uh, if you can get that. But I think this team is capable of producing a very glossy home record. And you've got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And right now, Atlanta's in a bad spot. They've got some nice young players, they're very, very young. Sports Illustrated in their basketball preview edition had a big story on Trey and the team. And so many of their guys are under 25. Really, the best for these guys is to come. You know, they're just barely getting started. I know they got high hopes based on the last season, but maybe that was, uh, I don't want to say an anomaly. I don't know what I would call it, but uh, good for them. They had success. Uh, so, you know, teams are aware of you. The word's out. This, these guys got uh, some good players on this team. So let's see what they can do. It's funny. I was watching their free preview uh, on the DirecTV the first week of the season. I'm flicking around just watching, just trying to get a feel. And I got uh, my wife walks through the room, and she says, Bogey got traded? I said, <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, they just said Bogdanovich. I said, oh, yeah, well, that's about Bogdan. That. That's, Bogdan <laughs> that's the other Bogdanovich. Uh, different first name, and I'm not, I don't even know if the last name is spelled the same. Uh, it is. It's spelled okay. the exact same. And I don't know if there's any relationship there or what have you, but uh, that was funny that she picked up on that because when I watch a game, I don't even really, especially out of town, I, I just overlook what they're saying. I'm just watching the game, and I didn't even catch it. And she caught it because she wasn't watching the game, but she heard the name and said, Bogey got traded. You would have thought that she would have known that. And I said, no, 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 no. That's the other Bogdanovich. <laughs> so that was a little bit of fun in that they got two uh, Bogdanoviches and they played the other night against each other. And Locke was talking about Bogdanovich on Bogdanovich crime. Uh, so get this win. Get the home uh, stand started out on the right note. You've lost two in a row. You don't want to let this linger. I see no reason why it doesn't happen. I mean, I'm, I I have very little worry beyond this is the NBA, and almost any team can beat any other team, and any given if you know, unless you're really really bad, and the Hawks are not really really bad, their their record notwithstanding, Trey Young can go for thirty five forty very easily. And he's an exciting young player. So beyond that, though, I have no sense of nervousness that they're not going to win. 
It's set up for him with the Hawks going back-to-back and not playing well. Jazz just beat him there. Sometimes when you play a team twice that close together, you split, but things are going too poorly. And there was a quote, I don't know if you saw it. I only saw it because Scotty G saw it and retweeted it with comments, so I came across it. Uh, Trey Young basically talking about how hard it was to get up for the regular season. The playoffs have so much juice, and now the start of the regular season just doesn't. Because they were, you know, you can imagine the adrenaline was just pumping a young team. Shocking first the Knicks and then taking down the Sixers. I mean, that's a shock to beat the Knicks, but go ahead. Yeah, okay, you're probably right about that. But still, to win their first playoff series, that had to fire them up. For sure. And then since they're all young and they had to change coaches in the season. Right. And McMillan's got them going on. And now you get back to the start of a new season and you just don't have the same adrenaline, the same uh, juice. Tough. You're a professional, you're getting paid a ton of money, you have a job to do, and it doesn't matter what your feelings are and all that other oh, stuff. Oh, you saw Scotty's tweet. I didn't. <laughs> Scotty, I did Scotty not. was like basically like, oh. wow, well, thanks for sharing that with all the season ticket holders. How about you amp it up? You're getting paid. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's that's the thing I always found interesting. We want these guys to speak the truth, and if we don't like the truth, yep. we criticize them for saying the truth. Yes, that's <laughs> what we want. <laughs> so, at least be honest, because we already thought about it. I, I get what Trey it's Young just, is saying. It's just a lesson of Young player's got to learn over the course of uh, career. Uh, old player, young player, it doesn't matter. Ah, uh, he won't have this issue. He doesn't uh, uh, no, I asked Joe about that last week when you were gone. About the monotony of the mm-hmm. regular season on a team that exclusively is going to be judged by the postseason. So I, I, I don't I think it's uh irrelevant of the age. I, I can argue that an older team, a veteran team like the Jazz, hey, they have to go through it. They and, do, but they know how to negotiate it. Even yeah, though but that doesn't true. mean they don't feel the same thing uh, that exactly. Trey Young said. Right, but that's part of being the pro is you recognize the nah, truth for what it is. He's third or fourth year now. He's, yeah. Come on. He's, but it's the first time he's coming down off a playoff high like that. But the, he, I think they already know it. It's just that you have to just look at yourself. Okay, I am paid. And the money is, I mean, it's awesome, but that's beside the point here. You are paid to do a job. doesn't matter what your job is. I mean, my father once told me, man, it doesn't matter what you are doing. If someone is paying you, you owe it to them to do your best, particularly if you want to move up in the world. You're not going to be able, wow, this sucks, so I'm going to dog it. That's not the way it works. I remember him telling me this specifically of busting your butt. That's the only way you keep moving up and the word gets out, this guy's a hard worker. So you have to be totally professional and sure, you're from uh, Atlanta and you're home there and he's an Oklahoma kid, obviously. Grew up in Norman, went to the uh, OU uh, and so you're in Golden State, Oakland, or San Francisco now one night, and the next night you're in Salt Lake, and it can be mind-numbing. But it doesn't matter. Your job is to play basketball to the best of your ability. Now, some nights the best of your ability is better than other nights. I understand that. You have whatever you may be sick or whatever, but you still got to go out there. The statues did it for years, and I know that seems like we're getting to the point where we start referencing the statues. We might as well be talking about Abe Saperstein or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, but still. Abe Saperstein. <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting so far removed every year. Obviously, you're a year more removed, but nevertheless. Thank goodness for they, book reports. I know who Abe is. <laughs> they did. They came, and they did it. So if they could do it, you could do it. So I, I just don't want to hear it. I, I don't have any problem with him acknowledging that because he spoke the truth as he saw it. 
And now that doesn't mean that because he said that, that he's going to dog it. I don't draw the direct correlation line between the two whatsoever. He spoke that, man, these games come at you and you don't even you, you get to like January and they're going to be hard pressed to remember these games. But they're here now and you have something that you're supposed to do. So I expect the Hawks to come out. And fired up on Nate McMillan played in the era of the statues, so he's an old school dude. And so he was, I don't know if he was chartering all the time when he first broke into the league, because it seemed like he played in the league. One of those Ty Corbin guys who was on teams and was a decent player, not a star, but I'd have to look it up. It seems in my memory, it seems like he played a long time. So he knows what it's about and gut it up, man. And the Jazz? You've. In a sense, it's good that they lost two. No, you don't. Last thing you want is to lose three. So there's no reason to be fat and happy if you lose a few. That ought to refocus your concentration, which I think it will. And Conley's back. And they're seven and one when he plays, and zero yeah. and two when he sits. I mean, Conley to me so far this season is at least offensively is the most consistent guy that they've had this season. I mean, Rudy's always going to be there with the boards and the defense. But on the other end of the floor, Conley is just, uh, when, when he's out on the floor, it's just like everything feels better. He's like the ultimate. Uh, he's a true just, point guard. Just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He is. Uh, Leader? I, I, you just feel a sense of security. Like everything's going to be okay. We got Mike. And when Mike's there, he just has a calming effect. Like, uh, we can do this type of thing. You know, he's been around forever, even in his interviews. So very well, the stuff that he says. I don't mean that's probably an awkward way to say it. Uh, just, But he's calming in his interviews, yeah, too. Yeah, he's a very calming in- influence. And I can feel it. And I'm, I don't have any, I'm not inside the locker room. I can get some stuff and guys can tell me stuff. And that's what I've heard. And that's what I believe he is. So he comes back and he's he is as true a pro as you're going to have in this league. I believe that. No nonsense. Count on him. Yeah. As long as he's healthy. No distractions. Right. Well, I wonder if coming home here when this big stretch of home games is this is where the three-point shooting gets untracked. Well, we'll all be looking for that. Yeah. Because right now they're bottom five in the league. They're 26th. 31.8%, which is a solid 6, 7, 8% below where people thought they'd be. Well, that just means good times are coming, as far as I believe. Because they're going to have some nights where they shoot 45 50% to get that number up. Yeah, because I don't think that any of their three-point shooters, and they've got several, I don't think any of them are thinking, okay, this is over now. Not Joe, not Bogey, not Conley, and those are the oldest guys. And the, the other guys, Royce and, and Mitchell, are, are youngsters. They're 7-3, and three, playing mostly on the road, shooting the three really poorly. Seven games and... 12 cities or 12 cities in seven games. I don't know. They were talking about that. And the first person who says, oh, that first game back from a road trip. (laughs) I am just not going to go over that. That's not going to sit well with me. Right. We all know that. We've all heard that. But the Hawks are playing back-to-back, flying in late night from the West Coast. So that trumps the Jazz issues on the first game back from a road trip. And the more you can bring up trumps, I'm better all for it, as all of us are. DJ PK coming up. We are talking college football with Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, will join us at 9 o'clock right here on The Zone. DJ and PK reminding you, Football Fridays. 
Football Fridays are presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. And we are giving away Utah Jazz Atlanta Hawk tickets coming up at 930 right here on The Zone Sports Network. The new zone lineup is here with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Join Unrivaled with Alex Curie and Scott Mitchell at the Warehouse Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! (laughs) Jazz and the Hawks tonight. Hawks coming in after losing to the Warriors last night. Candace Parker... Went on social media and predicted 50 for Steph, and then he got it. Oh, Candace, she knows her stuff. Steph is going to have 50 tonight. Anytime you play against a young protege, you got to let him know. Has she played against a young protege? Well, probably, I would assume. But you don't know. I don't. Because you don't follow the WNBA. I because don't. you didn't go up to Rice Eccles and figure out, hey, I can make some money off of this. I did follow when it was in town, <laughs> but it left town, and that was it. I'm here to follow local sports. <laughs> okay, who was a great point guard in the Stars' day then, buddy? Are you referring to Jen Azy, the Stanford Cardinal Yeah, but that was, that was latter day. Give me earlier. Don't you forget your Tammy Reese. <laughs> she wasn't great. She was too, Virginia. She was a Cavalier, wasn't she? I don't know that. Look it up. Covered the WNBA plenty of times in my day. People are now tweeting at uh, Candace. Candace, what are the lottery numbers? Let's go. Put some real predictions. Make some money off of them. And she was married to that Sheldon Williams guy, but I think they uh, split up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Candace what? went back to Chicago, won this thing this summer. I saw that. Over my Phoenix Mercury. I saw that. And then the Mercury, led by Deanna Taurasi, did not want to speak to the media. Oh, man. Let's send all those people on that side of the aisle who praise that stuff. I didn't hear much criticism. Come on. That's insulting. If you want to be treated equally, if you don't speak to the media after a loss, you should be held accountable for it. You can't just uh, pump it up uh, and want it to be equal, but don't equal the criticism. Oh, but I think that's enough of our WNBA for now. We got Dylan Colley coming up Looking next. Forward to the draft. I want to hear more about Margot Dedick. So now she passed. She did. Yeah, I interviewed her. It was actually it was very fun to cover those teams because they just loved it. They loved the attention. A lot of the problem is a lot of them didn't speak English. A lot of passion for that uh, league. Yeah. Elena Baranova was that the Russian player? Yes. Great player. Yeah, she's yep. really good. But she's speaking. Yeah. So you couldn't, couldn't yeah. put her on TV. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's a tall, skinny gal who was a multi-talented. Could do a lot of different things with the basketball. Was very, very good. Uh, so yes, I covered them. Uh, I covered them in Cleveland against the Cleveland Rockers in Cleveland. Yes. How about that? 
for a trivia question. Cover them in Los Angeles and Phoenix and obviously here. Took my daughter to them so they could, so she can get exposure to, to, to women doing their thing. Took, them, took her to uh, Utah women's events. Uh, Beth and the volleyball team would go uh, watch those things, watch their games on Friday nights. That, that, I mean, I've always been a volleyball fan. I think volleyball in person is one of the best sports that you could watch. And I had no idea when I went to college. Everybody in the dorms one night, yeah, let's go over and go see uh, UCLA. I'm like, UCLA, what? Mm-hmm. Carts crying, UCLA were coming to town. I had no idea. Totally got hooked. You're right. It'll, it'll draw you in in a heartbeat. Especially I, there, in person. Right, exactly. I only went because a lot of guys from the dorms were going. I went over there. And I'm like, okay, that was pretty good. The ladies or the men? That was guys, but oh, that's right. But eventually, yeah, yeah, it was cars. But eventually, uh, it was both. Yeah, I've covered plenty of uh, women's and men's volleyball. All right, DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone coming up next. We are talking BYU football with Dylan Colley and then John Judkins, Dixie State men's basketball coach. College basketball all over the state tonight. Dixie State is playing number one ranked Gonzaga. We'll talk with John at 9.30. Dylan Colley is next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined by former BYU wide receiver Dylan Colley. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with the free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Dylan, good morning. Gentlemen, how we doing? Doing well. It's a bye week. BYU can put their feet up. No, that would never happen. They're going to work, and they're going to keep getting better. <laughs> what really happens on a bye week? Yeah, uh, it is, it is, it's a good week. It's a fun week, um, as long as you're winning and things are going well, right? Uh, you know, first couple days, either some teams do it on the front end, some teams do it on the back end, but basically you're going reviewing the game film uh, from the previous week, uh, you know, the, the lifting is kind of ramped up just a little bit because you're not uh, really physically getting after it near as much. Practices are shortened. Um, a really, it really is kind of a good opportunity, especially for the scout team and walk-on players, um, to get a lot more live action. There's generally a, a scout bowl that happens every year. Um, and so it's a, it's a good time. Oh, and this is BYU too, so there should be a lot of marriage proposals, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Just getting ready for those December weddings. You know what I mean? I knew you'd play along. <laughs> <laughs> Who's course. playing, right, Dylan? Who's playing? <laughs> oh, brother! So four years back, I think it was, you made uh, this big definitive statement about Zach Wilson that he's going to be as good as anybody played at BYU. And goes up, and we know what happened there. Uh, what do you think about Jaron Hall? Because I got people at BYU telling me that this kid is really—he's great now, and he's going to be even better. Yeah, uh, and and I genuinely do believe that. And I think you know we kind of talked about this early on in the season, but the potential that Jaron has is—you know—the the ceiling is extremely, extremely high, right? And the expectation that everyone has seen and held Jaron to is much, much higher than anybody else would because, one, BYU 
fans and the culture already have the stigma of holding their you know, quarterbacks to a, a Heisman year every single year. Um, but even more so coming on after Zach, right, there is this level of expectation. And so um, if you don't think that Jaron hasn't performed to the level that he should be, right, you're, you're dreaming. Um, because, you know, the guy's played in, what, eight games in his college career <laughs> after – you know, uh, going through having the inconsistencies last year and, and coming off of his mission. And this is the first time we've really been able to see him at, you know, full capacity and, and doing it banged up like many people are. But I honestly think where he's at right now is in a really, really good place of, of growth opportunity. I think he's going to finish out the season extremely strong. And what we'll see next year is a huge definitive level up from where he's even at today. I think I think next year you'll have a really, really clear idea of how good Jaron Hall really is. So while Jaron is a sophomore and BYU fans can dream about uh, two more years of uh, excellence in Provo, there's also the line of thinking that, well, Jaron doesn't actually think all these Britain Covey or old jokes are that funny because he doesn't think Britain's that old. <laughs> right. So <laughs> at what point should he be advised to go to the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I personally believe that, like I'm saying, I, I think next year is a great opportunity for Jaron to go to the to go to the next level if he performs to the level that he's capable of. If he can play consistent, if he can play healthy, right? He's going to put himself in a really good position to. And am I sitting here saying the guy's you know going to be a top ten pick? No, absolutely not. But I think going into next season and after a successful season, he's going to find himself in a position where he's going to be able to, you know, play a lot of football um, for the years that he does have and, you know, set himself up for, for a really, really good future. Um, but, you know, do I think holding off for the next two years, right, and waiting until he is a senior, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do it. How about Algier? It seems like he's got to go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, no questions asked, especially as a running back. Your, your lifespan as a running back is just so short, especially in today's game. So to not take full advantage of it uh, in the prime where your health has been, you know, you're, you're in great health, right? You're strong. You're faster, only going to get, you know, your fastest is only going to get faster and, and you're strong. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't risk, uh, I wouldn't risk that at all. Anybody else you think is leaving early or should leave early or maybe shouldn't leave early, but you think they will? Uh, to be honest with you, outside of those two guys, if anybody left early, I think it would be a, uh, it would be a mistake in terms of, you know, maybe what their expectations are. How about right? Puka, though? They have, I think Puka has, has one more year in him. And don't give me like I'm that's not saying Puka isn't like Puka's uh, Puka is that next level strength already. I think there are refining you know, there are refining factors in his game that if he has one more year, uh, will greatly attribute to him. Puka Nakua being a first round pick is not out of the question. Yeah, I see some Austin in him and he didn't go on a mission, so he doesn't have the age thing working against him. Mm-hmm. So he could easily come back and still not be 
considered, although I think it's stupid if somebody's 23 versus 21, what the crap is the difference right. if you give somebody 10 years? Who cares when the average lifespan in the league isn't even four full seasons? But I think that uh, since he didn't go on a mission, uh, that could work towards his benefit of coming back next year, particularly if Jaron Hall comes back, because then you got your quarterback back, mm-hmm. and you guys were thrown together a little bit in the offseason for the first time. Well, it only stands to reason that next year you'd have a better season and there'd be a better connection between the two. I could not agree more. I mean, I think there was a reason that you had Max Austin and Dennis and Harvey in the position that they were their junior years um, and, the, and the benefit that that was to to Austin, right? Yeah. So I, I think that's, that's got to be that's got to be the plan. Um, and, you know, Puka's going to leave <laughs> the year after being the highest pick, picked receiver from, from BYU. We're joined right now by Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. Uh, PK was talking about how there is some belief around the BYU program that the uh, New Year's Six Bowls are not completely off the table. There is a chance there, and I suppose the most obvious path, Cincinnati has been flirting with disaster here in the regular season. If they lose a regular season game and then lose to a good team in the conference title game, that's two losses. That would seem to be BYU's best path to a New Year's Six, assuming the Cougars went out. What do you think the odds are? Had you really considered that? What do you think? Um, I, I I honestly haven't considered it. I, you know that would be that would be awesome. I think in order for that truly to happen, there cannot be if there is a close call, right? You know, obviously if they don't beat Georgia Southern by thirty, right? And you know if they go into the USC game and they beat USC, uh, and I'm not saying handedly, right? Like by thirty points, but if there's a definitive difference in the two teams to where you can tell BYU is, is that, you know, top tier, they deserve the respect that, that they're getting. Um, I think putting them into a New Year's Six Bowl would be, would be a good idea. I think it would be phenomenal for the bowl game itself um, and the attention that, you know, it's going to bring. Um, but, you know, I think there's, there's contracts for a reason. And to be honest with you, for me as a person, and I'm thinking about next season already and, and what the potential is. Meaning that the bowl game doesn't really matter to you that much? Is that the point? Yeah. Like, I'm already I'm already strung on the, uh, the Independence Bowl. And I think that may be because of the lack and respect that is generally put towards BYU. Right? I think if they go in, they beat Georgia Southern by 30, they beat USC and it's a pretty handed physical win, you know, made by two touchdowns. Uh, I'm used to that being still, hey, BYU doesn't deserve the respect that they're getting, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm just not used to saying, yeah, you know what? Like playoff rankings and the committee, everyone's going to be like, yeah, this is a really good idea. Let's put them in there. You know, I think we've already seen the issues that have come out of the committee and I don't trust them for anything. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather go back to that computer algorithm we were working with a couple of years ago. Yeah, who knows, man? It, it, it's it's impossible to figure out. At least if you had the uh, what would be you know twelve teams 
I'm sure the 13th mm-hmm. team is going to win. It's just like with the college basketball tournament, who's yeah. ever the 69th team, and when it was 64, the 65th team. There's always somebody that wins, but when you put in more teams, the credibility of the whiner gets reduced because if you've had ample time to make your mark and you didn't and somebody voted exactly. out, well, it's sort of on you as opposed to this year. I mean, right now, you know, we, we saw in the first uh, poll – with uh, Cincinnati being out, Oklahoma being out, and Oregon being in, which I was surprised Oregon was in. I didn't, and they're going to stay in, obviously. Uh, and, and well, they got the big game next week against the Utes. They got Washington State this yeah. week, so they could possibly lose. But I was, in, in a sense, I was surprised that the Pac-12 slash Oregon got so much respect. But then I stepped back and thinking, well, what they're doing indirectly is just paying enormous amount of respect to Ohio State. Once again. Yep. Yeah. I, I think there are two ends of the spectrum on that, right? You're giving enormous amount of respect to Ohio State, but I also genuinely believe that on the back end, they're also giving the respect as a whole, you know, the coaches, the AP poll, right, the playoff rankings to, to Fresno State, right, and, and the game that, that, that Fresno State was able to put together against them. And so because they're, you know, equaling out both sides of that, um, I think I think Oregon is in a, a very good position to be where they are now. Their chances of, of losing and blowing that opportunity up are typical, especially going into the Civil War uh, with Oregon State. Um, but that's something that is is definitely up in the air at all costs. I think those bottom the the three and four are as open as open gets right now. Okay. You buying Oklahoma to go undefeated? Because if they do, they get one of those spots. But they've had a lot of close games, and they've still got some some quality opponents to play. I don't think so. I don't think they get in. I think that there is, and if they do, if they get in and they win out, I, I think Caleb Williams is probably the most important thing that's happened to that program in quite a few years. Uh, and he sets himself up to be kind of the next Oklahoma quarterback that, you know, finds himself in the Heisman conversation as a young player and, and on to be a, a, a top draft pick. Um, because what that dude has been able to come and do for that team and the talent that he's been able to play at after all the pressure with, you know, the whole Spencer Rattler debacle, uh, you know, that's, that's unbelievable. Like, that is unbelievable the way that he's come in and played. And so I think, you know, if they if they do win out, you can you can attribute that to to the talent and, and ability of, of Caleb Williams. Seems like BYU is getting the ball rolling a little bit better on recruiting in terms of either guys who have high school kids who've committed and then decommit and then decide on BYU. We'll see if they eventually sign, but also some transfers. Now, my thought for you, do you think going forward that BYU will be able to get more of those dudes right off the bat as opposed to either a high school kid making a commitment someplace else and decommitting or a transfer going someplace else and then coming to BYU? I think the transfer going someplace else and then coming to BYU. Uh, I think that culture, which was has been kind of set by Pope and the basketball team, is already kind of trickling over into the football program. And I think that's going to be something that BYU cashes in on in both sports in a major way for years to come. Uh, I think there are going to be a lot of top talents that come in and, and 
are effective. Um, and I think ultimately that's what guys want to see is how productive can I be in a program as a graduate transfer and what is it going to propel me to do? Uh, that's something that, that BYU has done a great job of, and I think they're just going to continue to you know, build that out. Do you think BYU is more likely to land guys who um, we've never heard of, who are somewhere else, who think, I'm going to go to BYU, Big 12, playing time, and, uh, and for a year and take my shot? Or do you think it's going to be more the guys we have heard of, there's more in-state than players and ever going out of state for school, but they decide to come home at some point? More the Puka Nakua story. Uh, I, I think I think it's going to be the guys that we've never heard of. I think it's going to be the Tysons, right, of of the world that you know aren't from Utah, right? Maybe from East Coast guys that are now seeing the benefit that it is to come to to BYU. And most importantly, what you're saying is the trust that these guys have in Kalani, A Rod, right. Uh, the offensive staff and the defensive staff, because what they're telling them is actually coming to fruition, right? And they're making it a priority now to where when transfers are coming in, you know, there's a reason that they're bringing them in. They're not bringing them in, uh, you know, to to run fake jet sweeps, uh, but they're bringing them in to make them the, the focus point of, of the offense. So you want to go out and run some 30-yard dashes with me today? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd give you eight of them. I'd give you eight good ones. <laughs> was it always the same, like, uh, we'll, we'll just go with uh, the home stadium. Was it always west to east, or was it ever east to west? No, that was definitely, it was definitely both sides. It was okay. like half-gassers. Okay, okay Lou. Little... the line, come on back. <laughs> <laughs> Did you even bother to go downfield after the ball was snapped? Did you stand over there? <laughs> no, that was the only. That was like the, that was kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel. Was like, hey, if nothing's open down deep, I might get the check down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just sit here on the numbers and wait. <laughs> well, you had to collect your breath by then. Too. Now, now, if you do this in several stadiums, you know some stadiums are 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 flat, some are crowned for drainage. Do you ever find yourself having to pull up running downhill because you're just picking up speed and running downhill? I think I think the bigger problem was the going uphill issue right? <laughs> at the start to make of the jet it, sweep. trying to make the rounded cut to get away from the quarterback and the you know not mess up the handoff mesh uh for the running back that's where the real worry was <laughs> you should a couple times just see if anybody noticed just keep running into the sidelines yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was third and eighteen, coach. I didn't think we were converting. It's getting out of the way for the punt team. Checking down anyway. What's the difference? I'll hang yeah, back in case right. there's a pick return. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, it was jet it sweep humor will never grow old. The classics no, never grow old. All right, Dylan, we will let you go. We appreciate the time, and uh, enjoy the bye week, and uh, we will talk to you when you're getting BYU all prepped for the big game in Georgia Southern. No question. We'll talk later. Thanks, Dylan. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, (laughs) former jet sweep decoy, joining us here on The Zone. Everybody's got a role. Yep. Not everybody can touch the ball every play. Right. You know? There's really only one guy who touches the ball every play. That's the center. With these wildcats and whatnot, you never can't know. even guarantee the quarterback anymore. Right, you never know. Right, that was so. Everyone's got a role. You got to fulfill your role, and you were the jet sweep, fake jet sweeper, or is it uh, jet 
Should we fake her? What would it be? Where would we put in Faker? You worry about that during the break. Let us know on the other side. Coming up, we're giving away Jazz tickets to Jazz and the Hawks tonight. Jazz getting ready for a week full, well, more than a week full of home games. They're going to be home a lot the rest of the month. But we got tickets to tonight's game to see Atlanta and the Jazz. Atlanta's 4-7, and seven, off to a bad start after a good playoff run. 1-6 and six on the road. Lost at Golden State last night. Steph Curry went for 50, and they got beat. They're going back-to-back against the Jazz tonight. We'll give you tickets to the game. Coming up in our very next segment. Stay with us on the other side. We'll be talking hoops with John Judkins. Dixie State men's basketball head coach is going to get an up-close and personal look at Gonzaga, the number one team in the country. We'll talk with him next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's a trip to Tucson, Arizona for the Utes as they enter the home stretch of their Pac-12 schedule with a showdown against the Arizona Wildcats. Catch the Ute pregame show this Saturday with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz are getting ready to host the Hawks. We got tickets. Call our number 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE is the number to call. Call her 12. You're winning tickets to see the Jazz and the Hawks tonight. If you don't win now, stay tuned throughout the day. More chances to win coming up right here on the Zone Sports Network. Ready for some college hoops, PK? Sure, why not? It's a little early, but what the heck. Not, you know, they're not playing necessarily big games early. Although I, I did tell you that, uh, who was it, uh, uh, UC Los Angeles and Gonzaga in a couple of weeks? That's a big game. For sure. Gonzaga playing Dixie tonight. And Mark Few's not going to be coaching. He's suspended. BYU and Cleveland State in Provo, 8 o'clock on BYU TV. Yeah, and I think the Pac-12 has all their teams playing tonight. And they've got, they sent out an email, and they've got these for basketball. They've got like the mountain. The, the regionalized yeah. deals. And so they're, all the games are going to be on these regionalized networks. So am I watching the national or the regional on my local cable You'll system? You'll watch the Utes. They will regionalize and I'll be able to see it. Good. Yeah. All right, you pointed out Gonzaga, number one, getting ready to face Dixie State, and we are joined now by Dixie State's head coach, John Judkins. John, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? We're good, but we're not getting a team ready to face the number one team in America. <laughs> yeah, how about that? No, we're, we're so excited. We're grateful for the opportunity to come up here again and, and play and and uh, you know to have it work out two years in a row that we play them when they're both they're number one both times it's uh it's pretty cool pretty awesome so we're we're excited our guys are ready and uh, we'll see what we can do. So they got Timmy who's considered a potential player of the year candidate and this Holmgren kid, a seven footer is considered the number one recruit coming into college basketball this season and potential number one pick of the NBA draft and you're scouting of Holmgren, what do you see? Uh, um, really skinny. <laughs> really skinny and long, but wow, the things that he uh, that he can do, uh, I can see why he could he could be uh, that number one pick. I mean, just handles the ball for a big guy, shoots the ball, 
very well from the outside, and then again just long and gets to the rim. I mean, he takes he takes one dribble almost from half court and gets to the rim. It's just a a tough matchup because you think you could be physical with him and put a bigger guy on him and push him around, but then he's quick enough to to get by you and and uh, just tough a tough matchup. It's going to be for us and for everybody, I imagine. They're number one, and you're building a program. Is there really any area where you think we've got an advantage here or just areas where you're thinking, well, this is our best shot, but we have no advantages anywhere? Yeah, there's there's no advantages. No, I just – I mean, the thing it is that the advantage probably we have is uh, we're underdogs and they might overlook us. Who knows? Um, and our guys are so excited to play. You know, I mean, I think that's the, probably the advantage is we want to play this game probably more than they do. So we're – we're, we're excited, and, and again, I, I, I think uh, you know, watching them and seeing what they do, they're very good, like they were last year. Uh, we're we're going to try everything. We're going that's the one thing that we have nothing to lose. So we're going to try everything we can to, to one is to give them a game, and two, see what we have. And this is our first game of the year. We didn't have any exhibition games at all or anything like that. So we we're still in that process of trying to find uh, the combinations. We're trying to find what's going to work, what's going to do. So there's things like that that we're trying to get out of this this game and, and also get ready to build us up for our conference. And we know we have a tough conference, and this is one way to get ready for that. How did this game come about? Or this series, I should say. Um, really, just last year we played them. Um, got a hold of their coaches, and, and they said, yeah, come on up and play. And we almost didn't. It was pretty close of, with the COVID going on. They had a player. We had a couple of players, and it almost didn't work out last year. And, uh, luckily, the trainers and different people got that to figure out how we could do it, and we did it. And then, uh, you know, we got a call this year and say, you guys want to do it again? And we said, for sure. And it was, it was fun last year, but the crowd, there was nobody here. And so, you know, I've, we've, we've seen on TV, and I've had one of my assistants who played against him when he played in college, and he says, hey, we got to go play the game with fans. I mean, it's, it's the greatest place to play. And so we're, we're uh, trying to come back and play again. So it's just more phone calls, and I think they liked what we did last year to them. We run a lot of a lot of the stuff that uh, people in their conference runs, and I think maybe they, they think, hey, if we can guard them and play them and get used to that, then when we go to the West Coast Conference, they'll be ready to go. So I think that's the main reason, and we, we hope this keeps going. We hope it's, it's a great uh, great rivalry. Our guys love it. It's a great town. It's, it's just a fun place to play. So having played them, are some of your guys maybe a little better equipped for this game now? I hope so, but three of my guys didn't make the trip. They were starters. We had at one time we had three walk-ons playing at one time, which was still they did, did quite well. So um, you know, there's a lot of new ones, new guys, or guys that didn't play that, that didn't make the trip because of the COVID. Um, and so it's it's still pretty new. It's pretty new. But uh, the good thing is, is they've been here. They they walk in the gym, and the first thing they said is, you know, oh, we, I remember this. We we did pretty good. We played them pretty good for about eight minutes. Uh, and then it was then it was over. So hopefully we can go a little bit longer this year with that, and, and I think our kids will. They're, they're tough kids, and they'll play extremely hard. So you returned four starters. Uh, is everybody ready to go today? Uh, yeah, a couple of injuries, a couple of banged up things that we are trying to take care of. Um, but other than that, I think we're, we're, we'll, we'll give it everything we got. We, we're not as big as we thought we were going to be. We didn't. We got one of our players uh, uh, did get into our master's program, and so he decided to head back, and that one hurt us a little bit because he was a big six nine, and so we're not as big. But I think we're you know the guard line, and I think our forward position is pretty good. So we'll we'll see. Like I said, we're going to try a lot of different things just to keep everybody out of foul trouble, hopefully, and and uh, keep our bigs on the floor. 
So you've got some uh, some other games that will intrigue people. I mean, Gonzaga certainly is an eye opener in the first game, but uh, you're mm-hmm. also going you're going to USC, and you got some in state games coming up too. Yeah, we got as soon as we get back home, we got Utah. Excuse me, Southern Utah. Uh, we've been you know being so close to them, trying to get that to be a rival, and, and this year we get to play them home and home, which is huge for us. That's a big one. And then, like you said, the next weekend we're in California. We go play. Uh, Texas State and the winner and loser out of uh, we don't know who's going to win the next one. Then we turn around on Monday and play USC. So uh, it should be should be fun. I mean, when we saw, saw the schedule and we showed our recruits, you know, they were pretty excited about it. So that's that's another great thing to just play these kind of teams. It does help our our recruiting, and, and that's what we got to do. Like you said, to rebuild, we got to get uh, bigger and better players. And and by playing these kind of teams, I think it's going to help us with our recruiting. And guys want to play these guys, and so it should be fun. You speak of SUU. How about building a rivalry with UVU? Yeah, that one's been that one's been there for a while. I mean, when Mark Pope was there, we, we were D two. We played him a couple times in an exhibition game, and it was a pretty good pretty good rival. And then once we joined the WAC, that made it even more of a rival. Um, you know, like I said then SUU coming into our league next year, that will make it even better. And then and then we'll play Weber State this year too at home uh, over Thanksgiving. So we got a couple local schools and we're playing and we're excited for that we hope we can keep doing that you know we know we got the utah valley we know we got the suu with whack play and now we hope we can get you know byu utah utah state involved uh, maybe in the years to come to, to play so where do you think you stack up in conference play right now as you i mean we'll know more after we see some non-conference games but yeah well we we were voted as 12 out of 13 um we kind of knew that's probably what would be we're the new team in town and and uh you know, last year we we did pretty good. We didn't we didn't cancel one game of COVID, but a lot of teams in our conference did. And and so you look at our record; it wasn't as good as I would like it to have it to be. But but again, we got to play. We got to play, and that was that was a big thing for us as our first years experience the road trips, experience the kind of talent that the WAC has, and it's it's very good. But we you know we lost to to Grand Canyon. Uh, by three, uh, close game in. They won our conference. Them in Utah Valley won the conference, and then Utah Valley we split with them. So we we felt we felt good about it. Um, still, we're a ways to go. I mean, our this this conference is getting bigger and better with the Texas schools adding, and now we're hearing some other movement um, in 2023. There could be some more teams coming in, and maybe some going out. We'll see. But uh, this the WAC is getting a lot better when we first joined it. Um, we didn't have all these teams like we do now, and so it's it's going to be tough. There's no question. And the travel, going to Texas, is quite a long ways to go. But um, you know, everybody's got to do it, and we'll we'll figure how it how it figures out and go. So I always thought your brother Jeff was overrated as a shooter. You're better than he was, weren't you? <laughs> no, he could uh, he could shoot. He always wanted me to play with him because I'd pass him the ball. You know, so he would. Uh, yeah, he spent a lot of time in the gym shooting. Let me tell you, he did. So it was. We always joke about it. He's a better shooter, but that's all he could do. Or I kind of had the ball handling skills and the defendant to play defense. He couldn't do that very well. Well, so plus you always. Joe. You're better looking, though, that's for sure. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> what my wife keeps telling me that all the time. So I appreciate that. <laughs> you shovel less snow. You got that going for you. Oh, that's the only way to go. This is great. I mean, we, we get up here and it's raining and snowing. I mean, St. George right now, it's 70s, in the, low, in the high 70s. It's, it's it's unbelievable. So, yeah, it's 
it's amazing when I move there how many uh, family members sure come shop stop by. <laughs> they, they all want to visit you. It's true. It's certainly a very pretty area with the Red Rock and all that, and the weather's better. How much can you use that to your advantage to recruit? Well, that's exactly what we do use. Um, it's a beautiful place. Our facilities are getting better. They're they're doing a lot of upgrades on those and just you know making it a nice, a better place. But I'll tell you, our town is blown up. If you haven't been there for a while, I mean, people are catching on and moving there, and uh, we we want to kind of keep it a secret because we don't want too many people there. But it's it's a great place to live, great place to raise your family, and then when we bring recruits in, they just can't believe the, the you know all the things to do: the hiking, the riding the bikes, the golfing, the going to the lake. And there's so many things to do down there that. Uh, that people are attracted to it. They want to come. There's no question. We keep hearing high school football in the state keeps improving and it seems to be backed up by the recruiting numbers. And they aren't just words. It seems to be the truth. But in basketball, we're not hearing as much. How many whack caliber players are there in the state? How much do you lean on Vegas, Phoenix, Southern California? And how much you can lean on transfers? Yeah, we're trying that a lot. It's, it's picking up. It's just, uh, you know, again, the Division two. Vision two stuff for us, um, you know. But also the high school, like you said, we we, used to, we got a couple of them from Region nine now. It's Region ten. Uh, a lot of them right now are on missions. You know, Utah State has signed a kid from from Cedar City that, that was pretty dang good. And, and there's there's some other ones that um, we had one last year that went to Eastern Washington this year. So there's there's some out there. It's just you know trying to get them into our program. We've done probably more of it as a basketball side, taking the local kids more than anybody else. But our our football team's starting to do it, like you said, and, and uh, football's picking up. You know, it's a great place to play and practice, and it's not cold. And we're hoping to have the state tournament down there. I guess this last this is coming up, but uh, Ridgeline uh, beat one of our teams. If we would have both Region Ten teams down there, they would have had it there in our new our new uh, facility. So it could have been could have been fun. But we are recruiting a lot different, being in the WAC, and, and now expanding to the Texas area, it even opens up our recruiting area even more. I mean, we're out there a lot in Dallas and, and doing some recruiting because we can bring guys back. My point guard right now is from Texas, and so we, you know, we're trying to get more of those in our league because if there's so many teams there, they still, their families can still watch them play quite a bit. So it's really opened up our recruiting going this Division One. Well, Coach, good luck. Number yeah, one ranked. Yeah, right? <laughs> Number one ranked yeah. Gonzaga. Shock the world. Yeah, we're going to do it. There it is. Shamanad. We're going to try to sneak six guys on the course. We'll see okay. if you catch it. <laughs> thanks, Coach. Hey, thanks for, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. John Judkins, Dixie State men's basketball coach. Dixie State, a 40-point underdog at Gonzaga tonight. Lost by 45 to him last year. Yeah, that was last year. That's right. That was last year. <laughs> Gonzaga's number one again. But Dixie State's closing the gap. Now, Gonzaga has a bunch of new guys. I mean, they, they don't have any four-year guys in their program right now. Not really how they roll, is it? Well, it was. Or at least if they didn't have four-year guys in the program, they had senior transfers. Right. And they are bereft, which is a fancy word. I'm not even sure what it means. <laughs> but they are bereft of that this year, reading up on them uh, a couple of weeks back for the start of the season. Uh, they were talking about having so many new dudes. but So, so many talent. talented new dudes. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what this Holmgren does. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 furnace tune-up. 
They got a special $59 furnace tune up special, and you can visit them online at leesheatac.com. Your feedback. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. PK, most of us listen to the sports to get away from the distractions of life. While your persnickety perseverance to insert politics into sports is admirable, it's also disgusting. Stop it. <laughs> what politics? Uh, you referenced Trump this morning. You did. I didn't reference Donald J. Not Trump. As a, not as a noun or a name. Oh, now he's going to give me particles of speech. La-di-da. Listen to your particles of speech. You went to Arizona State and you correct my particles of speech all the time. You can handle it. I don't even remember the comment. I, politics uh, bores yeah. me beyond belief. I'm not interested in politics. Get out of town. Craig, you're a dumb hole, PK. <laughs> Laughing, crying emojis. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do, but I don't remember the context. <laughs> I'm making it a promo, I can tell you that. <laughs> what, what, what was it? Uh, Frank was on the air. Frank Dolce was on that. the air. I remember okay. that. Yeah. And I said something, and you labeled me a dumb hole. Right, but I, you, I don't remember what it was <laughs> okay, I said. I that's don't what know. I'm talking about. I don't remember. That's how it. much I can narrow it down. I'm narrowing it down. People think when they talk to us later in the day that we can remember why we said stuff and what we said. I'm like, you got to... You gotta narrow it down for me. Well, I, I know, totally. <laughs> There's a lot going on over four hours. We can't sit here and think about what happened an hour ago. <laughs> we gotta be on to the next thing. Yeah, All the no. people jumping in the car. We had a consultant tell us once, and he was both uh, uh, brilliant and a dumb hole at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. We thought he was a little more on the brilliant side, Locke. That is a little more on the dumb hole side. True. But uh, he told us, and this is true, this is uh, one of the things that really stuck with me. He said, every segment is a show. So your average commute time in this town is like 22 minutes. Yeah. People who have a 45-minute commute who are coming in, you know, Utah County to Salt Lake County or Davis County to Salt Lake, something like that, they listen to two segments. Those are the people who listen for a long time. So it's one or two segments. It's got to make sense. All stories have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Your segments do. Your stories do. Focus on that. So we get four segments down the road. I don't know. <laughs> Tough to recall. <laughs> Tough to recall. I know you said it, but I can't remember why. I know I said it too, and I don't remember. I was uh, you said something, <laughs> and you didn't like it. <laughs> oh, I was just having fun. Tom Wimmer tweets at us. I would like to point out that Utah played their best game of the season thus far in November. It's November. It's like the Twilight Zone. We'll see. For all the times the Utes have struggled in November, they seem to be picking up speed right now, playing sure. better and improving. Oh, there's no question about that. I agree. Right. All right. Corrections and retractions, and just to update you Explanations. On what was happening when that happened? It's because you have that this long-held belief that you want to see BYU and Notre Dame. Oh, that was it? Game. Oh, okay. All right. Good. We came out. That's not going to happen, you dumb hole. Dumb hole came out. <laughs> they, threw the, they threw the Coastal Carolina game together. You're both going to need another big-time win. Do it. You have to play it in like Hawaii to get that rule. You got to get out of the continental U.S. Well, It'd probably be easier to go to Vancouver, I, Toronto, or Montreal. But well, sure. Then Catalina. Hawaii doesn't have a stadium. The problem is right now Aloha Stadium. They're not going to okay. go play in that 5,000 seat thing. Catalina. Catalina man. Island. Catalina man. got a stadium? We built one. <laughs> I mean, they put together the baseball thing and, and like overnight practically. They're out in the middle of Iowa and then at the yep. Little League. And they can, they finagle uh, footballs into baseball stadiums for bowl games. They play hockey in, in uh, baseball stadiums. Hockey at Wrigley Field. Come on. Come on. Go to the Saddle Dome in Calgary and call it a day. There you go. All right. There are options. Make it happen. It's not happening. No, I know it's not. 
next year in Vegas, it's happening. We're ready. 11 months. All right, DJ and PK, uh, we got another one here. Tafisi, Tamata, Moana, whatever. <laughs> that's, that's Clint making fun of you. You were talking, were you talking recruiting at that point? Running through different guys and then wandering off track? <laughs> Just listen to all the guys they got. There's some lesser-known dudes, yeah. Bunch of vowels in their names. Craig calling PK a dumb hole, not a dumb hole, a proud Nimrod. Oh, wasn't that that was from way back? The yeah. Nimrod, some some school. We got T-shirts on that, right? Uh, some was it in Illinois? That their their nickname was Minnesota, someplace there. Michigan. Uh, I'm trying to think name the township. Yeah, their, their nicknames the Nimrods. Yeah. And our good friend Shasta Trailer, you guys yeah. have shirts that yes. he ordered for you. Yes, I I I know exactly where it is in my house. There it is. It's got our names on the back. Nimrods. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to share with the people before we make way for Jake and Ben and Jake's triumphant return from a long weekend? Oh, they've got uh, Jazz got to win, man. I'm expecting wins for everybody tonight in basketball. Oh, with all the college games? Including Dixie State, huh? Well, maybe not Dixie State. But you expect within, BYU to beat Cleveland State. Within our signals uh, signal. And you okay, expect Utah enough. to beat Abilene Christian. I do. And Utah State hosts UC Davis at the Spectrum. Coverage is on the zone tonight, 7 o'clock. I do, yes. There it is. Weber State's got Western Colorado, so that ought to be a win as well. I do, yes. UBU's going to Boise State. That might not be a win. Well, they're not playing home. I mean, all the teams are playing yep. home. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of here. Jake is coming up next with Ben right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.